Indiana. Welcome to the Crossroads Sports Radio Show, presented by Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Crossroads Sports Radio. This is episode number 79. It is Monday, June 3rd. The weather is perfect outside here in Indianapolis. I'm your host, Brandon Reef, joined by always Jonathan Birdsong. Jonathan Birdsong will be calling in with us here shortly tonight. We have an action-packed show this evening. Uh, one thing we keep doing every week, we try to bring you guys great interviews, and we have another one on store for today, unlike any other. Uh, we have Ball State defensive coordinator David Elson joining us here at the seven, top of the hour at the 7 o'clock. Uh, he's going to talk to us a little bit about uh, his playing days, his coaching. He is a Hoosier guy himself, uh, playing at Ball State, or excuse me, Butler. Uh, now he's being the defensive coordinator at Ball State, so he will be joining us here at the top of the hour. Jonathan Birdsong, my man, how are you? Man, doing just fine, man. Doing just fine on this uh, warm Indianapolis uh, almost summer, officially summer day. Doing just doing yeah. just fine. This is perfect weather uh, today. Was amazing, and yes, we're inside yes, yes. doing a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, well, I, I, I got outside a little bit today. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, I was just filling everybody in. We've got quite a bit to talk about tonight with the NBA Finals. Some some news and notes. Some quick hitters yep. and our big interview with David Elson here at uh, seven o'clock. So uh, big yep. things ahead this evening. Yes, indeed. Okay. Well, I, hey, don't let me just get into it. Right? Don't, don't let me stop the show. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll go ahead. Game one, game two, NBA finals are complete. We're split. We're one and one. Uh, Durant expected to play games three and four, but first, let's talk about games one and two. Uh, Toronto surprised some people, maybe in game one, how big they won, but. I had the Warriors win the game, too. They overcame all these injuries. They got big shot Iguodala. Uh, John, tell me what your thoughts are so far. Two games have been played. Each of one won. What, what gives or take going when it goes to Oracle? Uh, when I – man, they, they Toronto better – like I said, like on the last show, Toronto better be got to add that they do they, – there's no longer a 2-3-2 uh, um, how the finals is broken up because I don't think they would be coming back. Um, but – uh, more more to the point, uh, Golden State is the better team. Uh, guys, guys stepped up. Booby, I mean Boogie Cousins stepped up the last night um, in the in the offensive in the offensive effort and, and with his rebounding and his, and his being an irritant uh, in the paint. Uh, Hell, uh, so did uh, the, who I thought was kind of done. Uh, Andrew Bogut, he stepped up with some with some big points in the paint. Um, yeah. When I look at, when I think about game when I think about game one though, I think about how the fact that the Golden State Warriors are always going to be uh, – they're always going to be labeled a, a, a championship-level team that kind of doesn't play with a, a great sense of urgency until, you know what, the great sense of urgency is in front of them. So they like to play – unfortunately, they, they're, they're good enough, you know what I'm saying, that they should play uh, down – like playing downhill. They shouldn't be they, – they should never you, – you, you always – when you look at Golden State and, and, the, and, the, and the players that they have, whether it be Steph and, or, or Draymond, or or uh, or clay or, or or even like I said, which is obviously their core, correct? But we look at that; they should. You always want to think they're so good that they should be playing downhill. Like they shouldn't be never looking at, at, at trying to come back on somebody. You know what I mean? 
But again, they they play very casual. They play, you know, uh, meaning that they don't they don't play with you know, saying like I said, with a great sense of urgency. So that I think that's kind of what um, Toronto took advantage of their first game because guess what? You know, Toronto this is the, as an organization and for a lot of those players in that locker room, it's the first time ever for them playing in the finals. You know what I mean? And this is and, you know, as professionally, that's what you that's what guys always say that they want to you know say play for is a championship. You know what I mean? So. We had a lot of firsts with with Toronto, not necessarily with Kawhi Leonard, obviously. You know what I'm saying, but he also had something to prove uh, going into a contract, uh, a free agency season, and and coming from a sports a Spurs organization to where there was some some doubt. I don't think anybody doubts his abilities now. Like shit, I'm sorry. <laughs> now he's probably considered like if, if Kevin Durant's one A and it's a pin, like you know what I'm saying how much you know how you have you how you, how much how you have your team built. If Kevin, if Kevin Durant is one A, then he's definitely one B or vice versa. You know what I'm saying? I like, I don't, I couldn't tell you definitively who's the better player. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's very, it's very ironic. Both of them are, are free agents at, at the same time. So, um, um, but like I said, so in then game two, again, now you got the Warriors behind the eight ball and they know they had, to, they know they have to win because, you know, they've been in this position before. So they, you know, show some wherewithal. I know Clay went down with an injury, and like, and like I said, some other guys stepped up huge uh, between Bogut and Cousins, and you know, saying as you alluded to, uh, Andre Iguodala, and they came out with a victory. Um, I think, I think even Draymond, I think Draymond had something to prove that yeah, game I, I, after his bad right, performance. Right, right, right. I can't, you can't take away from anything. Draymond Green is the ultimate utility player for them. So when they need, when they get passing. When they get great passing from him, he had some bad turnovers yesterday, though, man. Still, but yeah. uh, when they when they when they need passing from him, they get passing from him. When they need ultimately rebounding from him, all, all they're on the defensive, all the offensive end, they get that. They get they get uh, they good uh, they get good, good defense out of him too. You know what I'm saying? He, he always has a has his hand on the ball or 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 in a on a or in a block or on steal or something like that. And then they get you know a decent enough offense out of him. So um, Steph. In my, in my opinion, uh, played a played a uh, not necessarily from a scoring standpoint, a, a uh, you know as people say doing Steph thing, Steph Curry thing type of game, but he did enough to where he impacted the game. He had, he had three steals, three big steals. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and, yeah. and, and of course he still he still got he, he's got a dagger. I mean that's Siakam. Siakam he kind of shook off Siakam and, and then came back. I mean you know the stuff that he does. Like even though he missed a, a, a great number of three pointers, when he hits the shot, it's like, you know, it's like cast. He's like, wow, man! Like it, it comes in the clutch. So again, you know, as, as you alluded to, like you know, Kevin Durant's probably gonna play the next two games, and I, that doesn't bode well. Whether anybody thinks that Kevin Durant still got any rust or doesn't have any win left to to finish out, you know what I'm saying? I I, I wouldn't bank on it. Like, you know, right. they're gonna win the next two games. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna win the next two games. Uh it, yeah. it is good though. It is good though from 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 a, a competitive standpoint that Toronto is a very, very good team. Very good team. But they got yeah. they gotta get some to make it to, to I mean be very good to be a championship level team uh, NBA championship is that is a, a little is you know, it's a it's a big wide margin. They're gonna need some maximum effort uh, and, and smarter play from Kyle Lowry and uh, from Marcus Saul. Marcus Saul, I think, had like six points yesterday. Six points, and, and that's Ouch. that's the player of his caliber. That's that's a, that's a, that's a little disappointing. Yeah, and a lot of people, <clears throat> and a lot of people were talking injuries. And uh, obviously, Durant went down, was injured. 
Uh, Steph may or may not have been feeling very well, felt ill, and it took him a while to get going. Clay went down with the injury. Iguodala got injured in game one. Uh, Boogie came back from injury. They talk about all these guys getting injured, but there's that next man step up for the Warriors. And uh, let's look at the other side of the ball. One thing I've noticed, and they said it a little bit last night, and I was watching it, uh, Kawhi Leonard's not 100%. I'm sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, to me, it even shows with an injured Kawhi. I mean, he's just something's off. Is the shooting or the movement, he's not moving like he should. But it may only take, John, a 70 or an 80% strength Warriors team to to win this title. Uh, you got step-ups from uh, uh, Quinn Cook. Hit three huge threes last night. Shout out Duke. Man. Uh, yeah. Boy, right <laughs> up in Drake's face. Uh, yeah. You had, I mean, Looney got hurt last night. Yeah, he's a body there. I will tell you this, and it's very obvious, out of the last, what, five times the Warriors have been in the finals now, uh, mm-hmm. this was prob- this year's team is probably the worst bench team of the Warriors. Because it was all smooth. But it's, Look yeah, at the first I, two I years they won the they title. Said, but they, but- Right. They are the, probably the worst bench, but they they stepped up, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? They they have stepped up, so you can't – because Livingston's not the same guy he was the first two championship runs. Not at He's all. not. Nope. You know what I mean? So – but it's it's not like, you know, like, like you said, man, I didn't think – I didn't think Quinn Cook could hit those shots. And, you know what I'm saying, he, he hit some shots that – he hit some. He hit some shots that, uh, when given the opportunity, like I said, he hit them and he, he took advantage of it. And you kind of got to tip your hat to to their to their role players stepping up. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I and I heard it on the radio today when I was driving, and it, it's a great point. And I don't know if it's necessary with them with all these injuries because I think some of these injuries are just fluke ways they happened, especially with Clay the way mm-hmm. he landed and Steph being sick and you know whatnot, but. If you look at this Warrior squad, and I'm talking more of Draymond, Steph, Clay, some of the core pieces that have been there, John, they've mm-hmm. played two months more of basketball than uh, 20-some other teams the last five years. That's almost an extra year of basketball the last five years. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That is a huge plus, but it's also a because you're making it to the NBA championship and, and the finals always, but it's also a huge negative because you've got so many more minutes and the bodies are wearing down. Uh, yep. It's kind of a double-edged sword with this Golden State team. I think we're just starting to see some of the breakdown with how much basketball these guys are playing. Right, right. Yeah, I, you uh, you know, I, I don't like to make excuses, man. This is what this is what you train for. This is what you gear up for. So I, I do get some of the analytics behind what you're saying. Uh, it, uh, it, it it does hit from a hysterical standpoint. It does. Um, there is some relevance to that. Uh, when it comes to guys logging long minutes, I know that it was, you know, we all know what San Antonio did when they managed minutes with their players. Um, I don't think, I don't think Kerr kind of had the luxury this year with the, with the Warriors kind of being so top heavy and with them, with guys being in and out of the, in and out of, uh, in and out of the uh, lineup throughout the regular season. So I don't think they had that luxury, but um, man, you, like I said, man, they, they are, they are an awesome team to watch. <laughs> Regardless of who, it kind of got. But you know what, Brandon? It kind of got sloppy in the fourth quarter, where nobody yeah. could buy. Nobody can't can't buy a bucket. I don't know if anybody remembers that. Uh, from, I can't remember. I can't even remember what NBA game was that. Was like it's, uh, you got, can't buy a bucket. Is that NBA jams where you, you kept on missing. Uh, the, 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 I, I don't know. I never I never missed shots. So I always heard he's on fire. 
Oh wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> but yeah, can't buy a bucket. You know, can't buy a bucket is 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 is, is definitely indicative of what happened in that fourth quarter, um, because uh, there was a lot of. There was, and then it was. I don't know. Like I said, you know, Warriors are occasionally play sloppy. That's this is kind of what they're accustomed to doing. But but they they gave they gave Toronto opportunity and chances. And you know, so, you know, Lowry had a bad foul. Van Fleet kind of went cold. Um, even even Let's stop you for a second. They didn't. Uh-oh. Van Vliet did not get cold. The entire Toronto Uh-oh. Raptors got cold. When you are up, <laughs> you're up by five or four at halftime, and then Golden sure, State comes out point, and does yeah. a eighteen nothing blitz in the third quarter. Hell, by the time half of Toronto got back to their their seats after the halftime, uh, your team's down by fifteen already. Uh, uh, so. Uh, some trouble there. Uh, yeah, 13 13-0 or 18-0 run to start that third quarter set up for the Warriors. Yeah. They they caught uh and here's the thing. There was only one timeout call by Nick Nurse there. I thought that was bad coaching. I think he it, it, once they mm-hmm. got down by 5 uh, for a 10-point swing, I think he should call a timeout there. Uh and tried to slow it down, figure out what's going on. Uh mm-hmm. the guys aren't ready to play. I think they just came out thinking that they were going to dominate this game. And Steph right. was bad. Yeah, Steph shot what one? He was one of seven to start out with four points, and two of them were on yep. the free throw line, or I think all four were on the free throw line or something. And then he started hitting some threes in the corner. Clay Thompson, probably one of, probably the most pure shooter I've seen in the NBA in the past ten years. Dude, uh, Brandon, pure dude, like dude, he the stuff he's able to do. I know we all wow what Steph is able to do. But the just the 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 he just needs like a, a moment. He doesn't even like it doesn't even feel like a yeah. whole second that he needs it. His form, he's he's already got his form. He's got to get his feet set, and then you know, it, does, does it always go in? Absolutely not. I I was kind of marveling at it yesterday, man. I was like, I don't know. I don't. I don't know who's a better shooting guard from a just from a. I mean, not all around game. I'm just talking about who's. I, hey, you know where he's at in our when the top ten that I put together, right? But I, I couldn't tell you. If he if like man, if he's better like if Reggie Miller and 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 Ray Allen, he's in that he's in as far as shooters, he's in that classification because he doesn't need much time, or and it's like and his form is perfect. Or I, room, I, I yeah. Really kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Or room, or room. He, he hell, I think he makes it diff- more difficult for himself when he steps back. Yeah, take the three. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I want to give a shout out, and I, I think a lot of people. I don't know. He's maybe the forgotten soul in the team, but he's probably their number one leader vocally. Uh, well, I'll take that back. Not vocally. Probably I'd be Draymond, but mm-hmm. silent leader uh, and locker room leader, Andre Iguodala. Come on now. Finals MVP previously. This man does nothing <laughs> but hit big shots. He plays big, good defense. He played it against LeBron in that first finals. Uh, yep. This guy, I, I, I sent you a text today. I think he's be- I think he's better than Big Shot Robert Horry. When the- when you need to step step up and shoot it, now we could have you know six half dozen half a dozen. I mean that was a was yeah, it a bad shot right. last night? Uh probably yeah. But uh, it's I don't know. It- Andre Iguodala he knew those what I would want him on the Pacers. Yeah, he's had some great great moments. Uh, throughout his career, and definitely with uh, definitely uh, showcasing with this particular team, um, 
uh, when you think about just a couple of weeks ago, the strip on um, uh, when he had up in Portland, the strip on Damian Lillard. Uh, yeah. we, like I said, what you, what you alluded to, that he was a finals MVP on, on a team that's loaded with nothing but all-stars. And he, heck, he's, I mean, even though he's a one-time all-star, heck, he's supposed to be on the decline of his career here. He, he became a finals MVP. Um, you know, Brandon, like when you, you, when, you could, when you put him and Robert Ory's careers side by side, uh, will Robert Ory have more championship rings? The answer is yes. When you think about Robert Ory's big moments, does Robert Ory have? Did they have about an equal amount of big moments? Uh, I'd say yes. Even though Robert Ory probably has more big, like you remember the shots with the Lakers. You remember the shots that he had with uh, right. with San Antonio, like when like when he goes off, right? But like I I I think I, well I know Ory didn't play defense. Before. Uh, when he played for Houston, I, I say I think he played better defense when he played for Houston. Cause I think uh, that team was predicated around defense, and it was more offense that came through. Yeah. Well, no, he was like he was, I think he was actually the third leading scorer on that team, that Houston team. See, like, but, <laughs> that's crazy, man. But like you, you bring up a good like I said, you bring up a good uh, parallel between their between their careers. I don't think Ori was never all star, and Andre Iguodala, as a shocker as to most, even in Philadelphia, he was only a one time all star. Um, but I think that Andre Iguodala has a greater chance, even though it's gonna be it's gonna be like when you look at his stats, like from from like the last couple of years with the Warriors, like what he's averaged from a, from like a game per game. It's like, man, are you serious? This dude is a is a is a key reserve, you know what I mean? But like, yeah. dude, he has a he has a he has like this much of a chance. I know it's the radio; they can't see it, but he has. So everybody puts like two inches of your fingers up. He has that much of a chance. To maybe get some Hall of Fame consideration when his time when his time is up because he's got three NBA championships, he's got a Finals MVP, he's got one All Star, he's got a couple All Defensive teams, one a one first team and one second team. He doesn't necessarily have a Defensive Player of the Year award on his, on his underneath his belt or anything like that, but he's got a lot of he's got a lot of achievements. It's like he was, I think, he was also like uh, you know when the when the rookies play the second year players. That particular yeah. game, where the, the where he was when he was a second year player, I, I do believe he was also the MVP of that game. So when you when you put all his when you put his accolades together, do you have to kind of squint <laughs> and say he's a Hall of Famer? Yeah, maybe. But like you know, when I think about somebody who had better stats, like Trace McGrady, he's in the Hall of Fame. Like I I, I would, and I and I argue that. Too, but I, I would kind of I mean, if you, they if I was voting, I don't have a vote obviously, but I put I'd probably put I'd probably vote for Andre Iguodala to be in the Hall of Fame. He's had yeah. some big moments. Absolutely. Oh, quick question for you. Um, uh-huh. Yep. Trivia, NBA trivia. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me? And I just found this out. I just saw this. I won't tell you the day. I saw it. I might give it away on the mm-hmm. days. Um, what? Who is the team, and what seed is the lowest to win an NBA championship? Oh, man. Lowest seed, who is the team? Man, I'm busted. I want to say I want to say it's Houston, but I know that's not right. I want to say it's Houston. You got, you got the team. You got that team right. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. It was, right. it was 94-95. Were they fifth seeded or fourth seeded, something like that? Six. They were the wow. sixth seed in the uh, Western Conference playoffs okay. that year. That was the okay. year also that uh, they played the Orlando Magic. Or no, 95-96, excuse me. 95-96, that's not about right? Me. No, 94-95, yep. 94-95, because 93-94, it was the Knicks. Me. Okay. 
uh, I think. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I might get the years mixed up. But they were sixth seed, Houston Rockets. Uh, I saw mm-hmm. that last night when I was watching the uh, 30 for 30 again of the uh, Orlando Magic with Penny and Shaq. And I said they, okay. they played the Rockets team. I said, man, if Pacers would have won game seven, they would have played Houston. And I said, let me look at Houston's right. I said, Houston was a sixth seed? Are you kidding me? <laughs> that talent? Come on now. So, anyways. Yeah. Um, so, we move ahead. We're looking game three. Game three is Wednesday night. Uh, these yep. games keep spreading out. It's crazy. Uh, we go to Oracle. Kevin Durant expected to play games three and four. Uh, he looked good walking around in the back when they kept showing him. Clay will be back, yep. he said. Uh, Looney questionable. Vegas has already got the Warriors at minus five and a half point favorites in game three. Uh, as you've said already, and I, I'll back you up on it, I think the Warriors take both of these games here, buddy, and it is life support going back up to the north. Yeah. Uh, Drake better get his back rubbing hands together. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi yeah. style. I just think they're, yeah, and this, you know, like you said, credit to Steve Kerr. I know I've been the biggest, one of the bigger critics of Steve Kerr, but credit for Mm -hmm. him putting, putting DeMarcus Cousins in the starting lineup. And yeah, he picked up two quick fouls, but as Van Gundy and Jackson said, he's only going to play four or five, six minutes a quarter. So you might as well leave him out there and Boogie. Yes. He's not offensively scoring like he used to. And he was a dominant force, if you remember him, when he was in New Orleans even, in Sacramento scoring all the time. But mm-hmm. the rebound, the passing of DeMarcus Cousins, and that's exactly what, it, 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 if anything, it spaces the floor out a little bit for the Warriors. And, uh, you know, he, yeah, he has he's kind of been a shell of himself since he's been in Golden State. Uh, but, you know, he's doing exactly what he needs them to do, what they need him to do in this NBA Finals. Yeah, it wouldn't be out of the – I don't know what his number or what he thinks – him and his agents think his number should be or could be. It wouldn't be out of the realm of imagination for him to sign a – bad. That's what I mean. It wouldn't be bad for him to sign a short-term deal to come back with the Warriors. He will sign a three-year deal. I've already got it in my head. Three-year deal, okay. decent money. Uh, a lot of teams don't want to take that, chal- that, 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 that test on DeMarcus Cousins. I think he's ended mm-hmm. up signing a three-year deal worth – what let's see 70 76 million three years 76 million i think he signs with the lakers because nobody wants to give him a shot i think the lakers are desperate i think they give him that that shot that gives at least lebron another guy and then barring whoever else they get uh could be jimmy butler i mean jimmy butler's got a house in los angeles too and he put (laughs) But I honestly think I just see Cousins three years, seventy six mil going to the Lakers. If I put a gun to head right now. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, like I said, so, I think it'll be a short, it'll be a short term deal wherever he goes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we got about seven minutes here before Coach calls us, so we'll kind of hit some of our quick hitters for the night. Uh, John, tell me it's not so that there was a report by a credible credible Twitter account uh, that the Pacers were interested in possibly a Supermax deal with D'Angelo Russell. I hope, I mean, I, I get the, I get the, I get the sources credible and I would imagine that Kevin Pritchard has to exhaust all efforts and all types of, you know what I'm saying? Player scenarios uh, to bring, to improve the team. Uh, is D'Angelo Russell a better 
athlete, better basketball player than what we have at point guard, you betcha. Is he got it kind of in between the, you know, between, you know, between the left eye and the right eye into what the Pacers, like sometimes when you see like the play on the, on the court and like what the Pacers kind of want on the court, uh, you know, I don't want to necessarily say the Pacer way, you know what I'm saying, but the culture that they're trying to create here uh, with these Pacers, uh, the answer would be no. Um, I, I don't know. Kevin Pritchard has shown to be take a, he's a risk taker. As he not, you know what I mean, with uh, with some of his some of that, it's not like we're going after, you know, it's not it's some some of a risk taker. I'm not saying we we, we went after, you know, uh, again a guy on the edge, but you know, what I'm saying there were there had to be some questions about uh, taking what's the, what's the guard? He, oh my god, you guys got into trouble. We got him from uh, Memphis. Oh my god, I can't think of his name. Tyreek Evans. Yeah, Tyreek. Yeah, Tyreek Evans. Right, thank you. The white there, stuff. You know, there had to be there had to be there. Oh wow. There had to be some. There had to be somewhat of a report on why, you know, what I'm saying, or you know, information on why, you know, he he's, he is somewhat of an edge player, and obviously, you know, he's technically out of the league right now. But uh, the Pacers have a, regardless of what you know, saying you and I, or even you know, saying any at current, you know, saying city media, I think about our roster. Pacers aren't the invitations of the Clay Thompsons of the world, the guys who we kind of talked about, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard. Those guys don't even are, aren't even going to take, you know, Kevin Pritchard's phone calls or even come in for a visit to go see downtown, to go see, you know what I'm saying, uh, Broad Ripple, to go see, the, you know what I'm saying, the, the south side of town, Beast Grove or whatnot, you know, so, or even the guys area to, you know, to experience, you know, say Indiana. <laughs> Regardless, I'm just giving a shout-out to, like, all the, all, all the nice parts of the city. I, I'm just, you know I know, I mean? absolutely. I just think of somebody, an NBA player coming in saying, I want to see Beach Grove. This is going to decide. <laughs> shout-out all my Beach Grove people. I'm not, not dissing you. I just, I'm just trying to picture an NBA player coming in and wanting to see that. Well, here's here's the thing, man. Well, you know, Greenwood's got his nice park, obviously. Um, but you know, his Carmel, thing, baby. Well, I, I I can't forget Carmel. You you know what I'm saying? I, oh, I you you gotta turn your head up. <laughs> but you know, everybody. Here's the other thing, though. The pendulum, as we can talk great about about our city, you know, what I'm saying, and you know, we talk about what Miami has versus what any other team like this. No, it's not it's not it's not like all the players are just running down to, to join Pat Riley's, you know what I'm saying, you know, team heat part three. So right. yeah, we know up just yet. Now Pat Pat Riley's been real quiet. He has been real quiet, hasn't he hasn't he Brandon? We don't know what yeah. he, he might have up his sleeve. You know what I mean? But um but like but like I said, you know, uh places you know what I'm saying and, and, and unlike Boston, uh we don't have the historical aspect behind it. So like the like the Lakers, we don't have the historical part behind it. So um, I, I don't know. You know, Danzel Russell, he, he's probably the only one. That, you know, he's not the only one. I would imagine he's he's probably one of the few players that'll come in to see what the Pacers are offering and what the what the city's about. To because like he's looking for a long term deal. Question is, I don't think a super ma- and I went back at this person on the Twitter account. I didn't think they could offer him a super max since he wasn't already with the team. I thought you can only get a super max if your contract's for your up own players. with. And you're for your own players, yeah. but so that was my he, argument. He, yeah, but I don't know. What was the? It depends, like the terms and conditions of his trade and how he ended up in Brooklyn. Dude, does the? You know what I'm saying? Because I think I mean, I, I mean, you're absolutely right. You know what I'm saying? In your in your assumption, I don't like I said. I would have went back with him too. I don't think we can offer him a supermax. I think the only team that can offer him a supermax. But I here's the thing. I don't think Brooklyn's going to offer him a supermax because they're. In, you know, saying in kind of an infatuation right now, or you know, what I'm saying with Kyrie Irving, 
if if other yeah. if other if other internet rumors are to be are, are to be believed, you know, so they're kind of you know, they're trying to upgrade their position as well to try to yep. get Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant to come together. Because man, if that happens, that's a ready-made championship level team. The team's already you know in the playoffs, and it's yeah. depending upon what they lose and you know what I'm saying or have to trade away to clear out more cap space, you know. So, D'Angelo Russell doesn't. It, it probably won't happen, but you know, saying Kevin Pritchard at least has to, you know, kick the tires. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we're gonna go to a quick, uh, quick commercial break, and then we'll be back with uh, Ball State defensive coordinator David Elson. Sweet. Hey, sports fans, great news! Here's a quick way to save you can save some money. Switch to Geico right now. It can help you create coverage on a great price, and it only takes 15 minutes to see if you can save 15% or more on car insurance. That's a length of a quarter. 15 minutes not that long. Go to Geico.com right now today to see how much you can save. All right. We are back from commercial. Joining us now, uh, this is a proud one for me and Jonathan since we're both Ball State alums. Ball State defensive (laughs) coordinator David Elson. Coach, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Appreciate you guys having me on. Good to be around some cards. There we go. That's what I'm talking chirp, about. Chirp, chirp. <laughs> so we wanted to get you on. Uh, we've got, you know, you've got Indiana ties. Obviously, you you played you know, at yep. Butler. Um, kind of talk us a little bit starting out, kind of your uh, uh, your playing days at Butler, and then kind of how you got into the coaching realm, and we'll go from there with you. Yeah. Uh, well, I was born and raised in Indy, and went to Cathedral High School, and then uh, went to Butler. My brother had gone there and played for uh, Bill Lynch, and he was still the coach. Um, I actually started off at the University of Dayton and then transferred to Butler uh, spring of my freshman year. And Coach Lynch was there, and he left three weeks later to come to Ball State to be the defense, or to be the offensive coordinator for Paul Schubel. Um But anyway, so then I played at Butler and really just uh, was impacted by my coaches there, uh, Coach Lynch being one of them and still is to this day. And then um, just, you know, I could tell that I, want, I knew I wanted to be around the game and I could tell those guys were having fun, and, and like I said, they, they helped me a lot, and I saw them help uh, other guys, you know, that were teammates of mine. And so I told them all, like, when I was a junior, you know, I said, hey, I want to do what you do. How do I do it? And um, so I sent out resumes before my senior year saying, telling everybody in the world I wanted to be a GA. And um, sure enough, one of the assistant coaches, uh, Butler, the guy he played for, got to be the head coach at Southern Illinois, Sean Watson's his name. Um, Cap Boso, he's another Indianapolis guy, played Chittard in Illinois and the Bears. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cap uh, recommended me to Sean, and that's how I got started as a GA at Southern Illinois. Just, Very you know, nice. through the, the networking and the connections, and, you know, that's what's a lot of fun about it, obviously, is, is, is the relationships that you build. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's one thing a lot of people wonder is like, well, how did they get that big break or how did they get that first start to, right. you know, and – you don't always get like the top spot or, or so you got to, you got to cut your teeth and grind out. And, uh, uh, you know, I did that a little bit. I mean, not at the highest level there, but it went from playing basketball myself to going to coaching and, uh, realized it was a whole yeah. different bear once I got involved in it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is. Uh, the, the thing you learn is, you know, when I, they say you're not a coach till you've been fired. And so, uh, it took 16 years until I finally became a coach and, when I was out of work for that first time, that was when you realized, man, this thing is, it's just so competitive and, and there's so many good coaches out there. And uh, you really, really got to appreciate when you, uh, when you're in a good spot and 
and uh, that's what I'm I'm doing right now. Really appreciative of being at Ball State. Absolutely. So, and and I've had a few guys. We've kind of talked about this the water cooler talk or such, but you got to be a special guy to love defense. What What do you love so much about the defensive side of the football? Oh, I, I like you know just the aggressiveness of it. You know, I think um, one of the things that we're we, we're constantly challenged with doing. You know, uh, there's no secret to the fact that offensive football has um, has uh, gotten better here over the last ten to. 15 years and um, it is hard to, to play defense with tempo and those things and uh, we're continually trying to, to develop a mindset that says hey we can still be the aggressor we can still dictate to the offense and that's a challenge and, and that's what you like you know and that's a lot of the reason uh, why you do this is the challenge of it you know when it comes to uh, you know putting together a successful unit and so to me that that's what does it for me is just it's challenge to, to be able to play great defense these days and uh, I think I think we're right on the edge of, of being able to say that, that we're one of those defenses that, that can do that. Perfect. Okay. Uh, Coach Elson, Jonathan Burt on Crossroads Sports. Uh, mm-hmm. Glad to finally get you. Glad, glad to finally glad to finally get you uh, on on the line uh, instead of not you know random texting and random emails or whatnot. Right. <laughs> um, there's a there's a there's a there's an acronym that's kind of you know that you, you that you have. Uh, Floating about, I mean, I guess I guess you're kind of attached to uh, EATT. Can you explain that a little bit? Absolutely, yeah. I um, th- th- those are what our our core values, you know, on defense. And um, you know, just over the years, you you try to make things better. You know, your system, your defense, your how you approach things. And um, you know, I wish I could tell you exactly the year that I began that, but um, so effort attitude, uh, trust, and toughness. Those are the four core values. And um, what I was taught is that, you know, you've got to have core values in your life and and in your, you know, your system. And in this case, in our defensive system, that um, when things start to get a little crazy and and things, you know, are going really good or they're going really bad, you you always come back to your core. And um, so when you feel like you're, you know, just not sure exactly what you're about or if you've drifted, then you always have that core to go back to. And so it's just, it's really, that's what it is. It's our core values and something that, you know, we talk about every single day that we're together as a defense, we emphasize it. And then we try to show our guys examples of, of effort and what we want, you know, from an effort standpoint, we, we point out examples of, of the right type of attitude that we're looking for. We have, you know, definitions of each that, you know, how do we define effort? Uh, how do we define attitude? How do we define trust? And how do we define toughness? And then, you know, I think that's, you know, I was an education major and um, teachers are coaches and coaches are teachers. And so we're not just trying to teach them how to play cover two. We're trying to teach them how to be successful as a young man. And so hopefully mm-hmm. those core values, you know, I know that they do. I, I say hopefully, but that hopefully that connects with them and it's something that they can use, um, you know, outside of football while they're here and then as they move on from ball state and, and get out there and, and get in the real world and, um, you know, become husbands and fathers and, um, you know, and, and they're all really, you know, they're things that have worked for us and, and worked for me personally. And so, you know, you're always trying to, to instill those things that you know are, are valuable and, and um, have benefited you to, to those young men. Okay. Uh, second question. Um, 
kind of follow up with that as you because you kind of alluded to it and said you being being an educator and being a teacher or what are the two most prominent learning opportunities that you have had uh during your coaching career mm. wow that's that one's that's a deep one right there now <laughs> okay uh, well it's, it's been 20, 25 years of it so i can promise you there's okay. more than two um okay you know i, I do think um being out of work you know that that like I, I was very, very fortunate to I was a GA at Southern Illinois for two years. Um, I got hired at Western Kentucky by Jack Harbaugh to be the secondary coach. Uh, five years later, I got promoted to be the defensive coordinator. Uh, two years later, I got promoted to be the head coach. And then seven years later, I got fired. You know, so, but 16 years of, of being in the same place of, of, you know, having some, some pretty good success. And then, you know, just that, um, you know, that, that humbleness that, that, that hits you and says, you know, life goes on without you. And I think I learned that, you know, everybody's replaceable. And um, so when you do have a job, you know, just make sure you're, uh, you know, be where your feet are, as people like to say, and, and, um, and, and do the best job that you can where you're at. And um, so, so just that whole experience of, of, you know, being out of work was, you know, a great learning experience. And then, okay. um, you know, I, God, there's so many, um, so many different, the, the thing, the next thing that comes to my mind is just um, been fortunate. You know, people would say, Oh man, it's crazy, but I was at the same spot for so many years, but then now over the last 10, I've been, you know, a lot of different places, but, but to, to be exposed to the different head coaches and the different assistant coaches that I've been around um, that's probably, you know, been another, you know, overall just a great learning experience to see different ways of doing things. When you're at the same spot, you know, I worked for Jack for seven years, and then, you know, I was, you know, the head coach for seven years. You just don't get around as many people, you know what I mean? And so being around mm-hmm. the different coaches over the last 10 years has really been, really been, uh, you know, great learning experience to just, you know, see the different, um, different ways people do things. Okay. All right. Brandon? I, I like that. I like that. Coach, I don't miss a game ever. I don't feel like it. I do record it. So last season, um, you kind of looked like you guys kind of switched it up going from a 4-3 to a 3-4. Uh, what was it easier to go to that, or was it a little bit harder to, to switch defensive philosophies last season? No, it was, it was you know, nothing's easy these days. But for me, it was it was a – easy transition because that's what I learned. That's what I kind of from Jack Hart. When I first was a coordinator, you know, the large majority of my career as a coordinator has been in a three, four defense. And then um, there's just been situations, you know, three different spots, New Mexico state, Western Illinois. And then, and then here where it really just the personnel and having some continuity the first year dictated that, Hey, let's stay in a four down, you know, four, three defense. And then, we just looked at it after after the 17 season, and and we'd even you know talked about it and had a little bit of a, a package that we got to uh, out of our 4-3 that 17 season. But just looked at our personnel and then looked at the future of recruiting and you know that you can you know you can get uh, you can find linebackers you know D linemen are, are hard to find, and so um, it really was just a lot of things that had been going on in my mind. And coach knew we had talked about it even, and then when the season was over. You know, I was, I mean, it was literally, you know, kind of polishing off the old playbook from the old days. And, um, 
obviously tweaking it and, and, you know, making it better as you, as you try to do, but uh, excited about it. This is the thing I am most excited about. I can tell you is that this is the first time in 10 years since leaving Western Kentucky that I am in the same role running the same defense two years in a row. And that in itself, that tells you the, (laughs) um, and it hadn't been that I've been at a different, it's been some years just like just either, I don't know what, you know, New Mexico state, it was the head coach left and we had been four, three, and then we became three, four. And then at Southern Illinois, the head coach, he promoted me to be the defense coordinator. So we, we switched. And then, at Western, and then I was at Western Illinois for one year, and then I came here, and we were four three for one year, and then three four the next. So now, anyway, that continuity I think is really going to serve us well, serve our players well, and um, you know just just make us make us that much better. So I'm, I'm fired up about that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, last year you guys you had some shiny moments. Uh, you know, the game I went to, uh, I was up in Notre Dame for that game, and boy, I had yeah. a lot of Notre Dame fans around me talking a lot of smack before the game, but. Uh, I mean, you, it kind of puts you eyes on notice right there. That holy cow, this yeah. is the Cardinals keeping up well, with Notre Dame. And- I can tell, I can tell you this for, and nobody cares. Trust me, I know that we got to do it for twelve games. But if you if you really want to look for the positive, I mean, we really played really good defense for seven games. Our first seven games, if you if we could have stopped the season after seven games, we would have been one of the most improved defenses in the country. Um, and then for whatever reason, as you, you know, I, I get it. It's, it. It falls on my shoulders. We did not finish those last five games the way that we should have, and so it, it didn't, you know, turn out. But we've got guys in our building that have played really good defense, and now what we've got to do is just, you know, be consistent throughout a 12-game season, and, and that, that's gotta, that's, that is our biggest challenge this year is to, you know, take it week to week and sustain it as we get into the second half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And then you were talking kind of philosophy-wise and excited for this season. Uh, you got the majority of your defense back as well, uh, and especially your starters. You, I think you got, what, nine, nine of your starters back uh, this, yeah, this that, spring that con- or this fall, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the other piece of the continuity is, you know, the same system and then obviously same players and those guys getting to um, – there's just no substitute for experience and, and the repetitions that you get throughout a, a season of practice and games and then, you know, spring practice and watching the cut-ups from spring. That's what we're doing right now as a, a defensive staff and then sharing that with our players and, you know, hey, here's the things we did well. Here's what we can keep improving on. And um, so, yeah, that, that continuity is, is exciting uh, for everybody. Yeah. How, how did you feel the spring practice went this year? Uh, you know, it was good. I think our, we found out our, our front seven is, is definitely going to be our strength. Um, you know, we tweaked some things. We had some coaching changes on defense that were good additions. Uh, Tyler Stockton uh, got here in, in back in January, and I worked with him at Western Illinois, and uh, he's coaching our inside backers and is our co-defensive coordinator and does has done a great job with those guys. And then we hired Mike Dietzel, who was with me at uh, Western Kentucky for the, all the seven years uh, that I was there. And um, it's been really fun to have two guys that I've been with before. Uh, and we just, you know, you, you speak the same language. You have uh, some common experiences together where you can say, hey, remember when we did this? And, yeah, let's. And so they've been a great blend with Corey and, and, and Coach McKenzie. 
Um, and so the other, the other thing is Mike has been in this league, uh, you know, Central Michigan and Buffalo for the last nine years. So that's been, you know, as we've watched opponent tape and stuff, he's, you know, really going to help us. Um, and so, you know, that's all those things have been positive. And um, now I've, I've rattled on so long, I forgot what the question was. What, what, what were we getting out there? Uh, we were talking about how spring practice, how you felt spring practice went. Oh, this spring year. practice, yeah. So, so bringing those guys in. And then, uh, yeah, the front seven um, really is going to be our strength, our linebackers. I and mean, we've got some good depth at linebacker. And, you know, uh, we've got to grow up in a hurry at corner. You know, I think we've got, and I'm coaching the corners now, so that's that's all on me. Um, Antonio Phillips and A.J. Uzendema, you know, are two guys that have the most experience coming back. And then after that, you know, we, we've got got to get some guys ready. D.T. Stevens and Red Potts are both guys that redshirted last year. And um, and then at the safety position, we, we um, you know, it's, it, there's always a, a silver lining. You know, Bryce Cosby was out for the spring. Miles Hanna was out. So that just meant other guys got a lot of reps. And so, you know, Brett Anderson, I thought, had a, a solid spring. Uh, Mitch Larson, you know, was out most of it. So we've got some some questions to get answered when it comes to the back end. Um, but so to tell you, to answer your question finally, you know, feel really good about where we are with the, with the front seven and uh, know that we've got to get those guys plugged back in and healthy. Uh, with with the secondary and 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 that'll put it all together for us. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, it was it was mentioned, <clears throat> I guess, noted earlier this spring that Athlans, the preseason magazine that comes out for college football, I, and I suggest everybody uh, listening to this pick up your copy. I did. Uh, you've got some preseason All Mac guys. Uh, you know your linebacking core. You just mentioned Jacob White. You know Ray Wilborn and Christian Albright. Three guys. Three studs. Uh, all making the different Mac teams. There. Uh, kind of talk about their leadership and kind of where what they need to do this year to make that ball state defense successful. I'm sorry. I, I got distracted there for a second. Tell me who you were talking about again, Jacob white, Ray Wilborn and Christian Albright, just kind of yeah, talking well, about their the impact going yeah. into this year. Yes. Well, Jacob and Ray, you know, are both going to be seniors. Um, and then Christian, uh, obviously going to be a junior, um, as I said, when talking about spring practice, um, our linebacking core is really the strength of our defense. And number one, it starts with Jacob White. Uh, all three of those guys are on our leadership council. Um, and so you see Jacob White living in this facility. He's a great example for those, you know, for any other guy in the program, no matter what position he plays. And then, you know, Ray and Christian – um, you know, very similar when it comes to, I mean, we were at the off season right now, you know, we're allowed to be out there when they do their conditioning and those things. And I mean, they just, uh, they're leading by example. The next thing though, that they're doing as leadership council guys is they're beginning to be more vocal. Uh, they're bringing the, you know, to, to beginning to bring some guys with them. Um, so I really think and believe, you know, I say I, really we as, as a staff have talked about this, that, you know, the difference for us is going to be that senior leadership, that camaraderie, and that, and that comes with the continuity that we talked about earlier. It's just, just the, the time on task and the, the time invested that these guys have together. And, and when things are going to get tough, 
in the second half of a game or in the fourth quarter of a game, you know, we're going to have a guy that's going to step up and, and make a play because they've been through what they've been through when it comes to, you know, the last two seasons, the off seasons, and they've just developed such a stronger bond together. And I think those three guys are great examples of that. And, and obviously their production on the field has, has um, gotten them those accolades as well. But I really think those intangibles away from the field and, and what they're doing behind closed doors right now is, is what's going to make a big difference for us. Perfect. Okay. Uh, Coach, what, 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 how important is it to have the new facility, the new indoor facility? How important is that from the, from a program standpoint? Um, I don't know that you can even place a uh, value. I mean, it's, it's immeasurable uh, to be able to, I'm sitting right here in our, our, our lobby and we've got the renderings up, you know, to be able to, show you know they don't let you put those renderings up until it's truly approved and you know you know <laughs> that there's going to be some dirt turned um and so uh it, it's a sign like uh, i can tell you this you know that, that that announcement was on a friday and then that monday was a, a week long of of recruiting spring recruiting in indianapolis and it was awesome uh, me and joey lynch were the two that were in indianapolis and, and that monday you know, it's six, seven different schools and just every place you went, you know, the high school coaches said, hey, man, congrats. How, you know, that's awesome. And so you can just see by that. And then throughout the week, as we went to all the other schools throughout the city, um, you know, and then as you, uh, you know, the rest of the spring going throughout the state, uh, people recognizing that, wow, you guys are, you know, your, your administration is investing. Um, and that makes, mm-hmm. you know, it, just football more important and it, and it shows and, and, at the end of the day, people recognize that and they see that, and so that gets a really good positive vibe for Ball State football mm-hmm. out there within the state of Indiana and then obviously in the Midwest, and it gets all those other MAC schools going, uh-oh, all right, we can't, we can't, <laughs> use, that against we can't use that in recruiting against them anymore, you know, because that's, you know, right. we, everybody knows we're the only one that doesn't have one. And so, you know, that, that just knocks that out and say, all right, look, now it's, uh, you know, we've got everything that, that, that we need, and you're always going to try to improve it and tweak it, and you know how the arms race is these days. But it's it's been fun, honestly, to be able to go out and, and kind of brag about it a little bit and say, yeah, we, we've got it coming. So, uh, you know, big-time props to, to President Mearns and Beth. You know, I know that was a uh, – they obviously had a, a, a huge part in getting that done and, and the people that have that have donated the money. Okay. I've got one more question. I know Brandon has a couple questions because I know, you know, as, as they say, time is money and we do appreciate you coming on. Um, what was your, what was your, <laughs> thank you. What was your most memorable moment as a high school athlete? Ooh. Whew. My most memorable moment as a high school athlete had did to you, be. Did you play, did you play any other sports besides football? Uh, I tried to play basketball, uh, but okay. after junior <laughs> okay. year, it wasn't. It wasn't going to be in the cards. So, um, <laughs> I, I, I thought I was going. I thought I was going to be the next Steve Alford. You know, so um, hey. that, that didn't work. That didn't work out real well for me. Um, okay. You know, um, honest. The the I, 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 my philosophy when people ask me questions like that is I like the first thing that comes to my mind. You know, is is typically what you know, is, is it, you know, instead of trying to think too long and hard about it. And the first thing that popped into my mind is um, my senior year, we're playing in the sectional 
second round of the sectionals, we played Hamilton Southeastern, and my, like, hero, idol in coaching, Jim O'Hara, had left Cathedral to be the head coach at Hamilton Southeastern. So going up against his team and, um, and that game uh, and winning that game and, and just as a team, it was a, it was a big night. And um, it was kind of emotional because of he meant a lot to me. I mean, I literally – he was the guy I always – I look back on and say he, he's another one of the reasons on top of my college coaches that I got into uh, coaching because he was, you know, such a – uh, influence in my life and so that's the first thing that comes to mind is that that game in the second round of sectionals okay huh? all right very, Brent? very nice well coach we're 89 days away seems like not too far from now from game one against iu down here at lucas oil stadium i'll be there jonathan you better be there as well uh chairman of cardinals uh coach <laughs> i do want to thank you for joining us uh we're definitely going to make an appearance up there at the campus uh we want to check out it's been oh. a while since i've been up there a couple years Oh really? Yeah. Man, you gotta go you gotta get I'm telling you what now, when I got here two years ago, I had never in high school or really even in college, the only time I'd ever been here was um when we play, when I was at West Kentucky and we came up here and played in O seven. And you don't really obviously you don't get out and go look at campus or any of that. You stay we stayed in Indianapolis, came and played the game and, and left. But but when I got on campus for the first time after I got hired and went for a campus run and that this is two years ago. I, I was I, I can honestly say man I was blown away and and in two years we've done so much more you know I mean that's it's exciting when you get on this campus and see buildings being built you know and um, just the progress that is going on it, it is um, and to be able to take kids around and say yeah we're you know we're growing you know we're, we're about ready to have our uh, the biggest incoming freshman class in the history of Ball State University is what they're saying and, and just to wow. you know in a time where a lot of people are you know, enrollments are going down and, 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 you know, you aren't seeing growth, especially when I was over in the state of Illinois, at Western Illinois and Southern Illinois, that, that state is completely opposite of what's going on here. So, um, yeah, you need to get up here and check it out, man. There's, there's a ton of, of, of really cool stuff going on on campus, especially. Absolutely. I, you know, I got saddened because all the places I used to go to there in the village too, they're gone. It seems like. Yeah, they're, getting, uh, saw they're putting something else in Scotty's, so so that's going to open okay. back up here pretty soon. Um, you know, brother, the locker room still there. there? Greek, uh, I don't, you know, I I'm not the, the biggest social butterfly, <laughs> so the locker room. I don't know that I've heard of the of the locker room. No, I know, no. um, you know, so yeah, maybe that means it's not there. Joey, you like Joey Lynch would be the one to ask that. I do love Greeks is my favorite. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, Greeks, Greeks I'll tell you this. Favorite. Funny story, my well, funny story. My first time to Ball State, uh, once I transferred there from Southern Indiana, uh, it was a Friday night and it was a football game. Uh, the first one, I think, let's see, I guess it was a conference game. They played Miami, Ohio, Ben Roethlisberger, and oh, Big yeah. Ben came in and threw up six touchdowns and 500 some yards passing. And I said, who the hell is this Ben Roethlisberger guy? And I'm a Steelers fan, so it came back onto me when he uh, when he uh, uh, joined the team. Yeah. So, uh, And then my last year there, and I guess it was fall of 2008, I think it was, uh, that was the magical the run. That, yeah. yeah, the undefeated yeah. season. It was a, We were all over the news. We had a great year. And then kind of towards the end there, it kind of fell apart a little bit. But uh, right. it was a great season. Great to be a fan. It was uh, the, the whole city. And that's one thing I loved about Muncie in the ball state community is they all come together 
when, you know, when yeah. it's really going, yeah. uh, whether it be the basketball or the football program and, you know, they come out and I'm hoping this fall that fans that are listening, you, you get out there, check out ball state, uh, get out there, support them. Um, it's, it's a great time. Yeah. I've been really impressed with our game day atmosphere too. I mean, it's a lot like, you know, you know, a lot of places, you know, the biggest challenge is, is, is getting people into the state, you know, the people love the tailgate, but then you want to get them into the, into the stadium. And I, I think the exciting thing is, is, is that we're going to have a, a product for them in the stadium. That's going to make them want to come in in outside from the tailgating. And uh, obviously we're selling beer in the stadium now. So that's, that's another plus. And so uh, I think our, our game day atmosphere is going to do nothing but, uh, but get better and better. Perfect. Well, that was, Excellent. Ball State defensive coordinator David Ellison joining us. Coach, thank you for joining us. I know it's a beautiful night here in India in Indiana. So of all things, you joined us. So I really, really appreciate it. My pleasure, man. Anytime. Appreciate you guys uh, getting us out there. Absolutely. Take right. care, Coach. Thanks, Coach. All right. Thanks. All right, John. That was Ball State defensive coordinator David Ellison joining us. Another great interview from Coach. Yeah, they better not. Nobody better cross no homers, man. But I'm, I, I sent my text to the alumni for for a reason. Nah, I, not that we pay for Coach Elson to be on or anything like that, man. It was, it's, it's good connecting uh, back with the. I haven't I haven't been to a game since 1997. A ball state Uh-oh. game. I haven't been Uh-oh. to since 1997. So yeah, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go. But like it's good to, it's good to hear about the university that you that you the alma mater that I that I graduated from that you graduated from. Uh, trying to trying to improve things, trying to be better, trying to be more competitive. Are they a far away? Far away, far away from Clemson, Alabama, of course. But you know, you, you got to start somewhere. That's 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 the way I look at it. So I'm I'm glad everything's are are, are kind of on the upswing with Ball State. I really am. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I tell you what, I wanted to run through a wall for Coach when uh, he was kind of given the definition of of uh, those initials. Uh, it was oh, yeah. on his Twitter account. Awesome. If you oh, get a yeah. chance on Twitter at Coach David Elson on Twitter, you can find him there. It's a good follow. Uh, everything you need to know about Ball State football, uh, and he's got those initials up there. And I wanted to run through a wall for Coach after hearing that. So, uh, thank you for him joining us. We'll run through a paper wall. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm a little fragile now. Uh, thank you to him. Thank you to Ball State Athletics Department for bringing him on, mm-hmm. uh, being able to get him for us. So, uh, me and John are going to hit up a game this year. We're going to head up there. We're going to yeah. take Crossroads traveling tour. So, definitely Absolutely. looking forward to that. All right, John, let's switch topics back to some of our quick hitters. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, next week, Ball State. Next week, we're going to have another Ball State person on. We're hitting, we went from Boilers now to hitting the Cardinals. Former player, Peyton Stovall, <clears throat> he was there playing at Ball State basketball when I was there. Uh, mm-hmm. Went on to be athletic director at Lafayette Jeff, back to his home high school in his hometown. Uh, so we'll be talking with him tomorrow. And then he just now accepted an assistant athletic director of student development role at Purdue University. Uh, just accepted that, so he'll be starting his new role July 1. So we're going to have Peyton Stovall on next week. It's going to be great. Uh, I know his family. Uh, I know his sister, friends with his sister. Uh, real good guy all around, and uh, it's going to be fun to get him on next week to kind of talk a little bit of hoops. The guy knows his basketball, John, so anything you got at him, college, pro, you throw it at him. <laughs> he's, I'm sure he's got something for it. And cool. as I'm ranting about him, the biggest thing, he's overcame so much. Um, from ACL injuries, ACL tears. Not oh. one, I believe he had two okay. ACL tears. So coming back from two Man. of them, yeah. So uh, his adversity and having to come back from that. So uh, he'll be joining us next week uh, on our show next Monday night. So looking forward to that. Um, okay. 
Some of our quick hitters, John, back to the NBA real quick. Uh, you kind of mentioned about Kyrie Irving earlier, you know, about possibly he's narrowed it down now to the Brooklyn Nets and I believe the Los Angeles Lakers, as we said, is one of the two teams for Kyrie. Um, the more I, you know, it, the more is obvious, I guess it, it would be for Kyrie to go to the Lakers. For some reason, I can just be being stupid and just going to the Nets. <laughs> being different, being different is what you meant to say. Being different. yeah, different. Sorry. Uh, he still, he, I mean, you know, he's the guy that said the world's flat. So being different. Um, there's probably a, a, a small chance that he also resigns with the Celtics. That's not this. I, you know, I know rumors is one thing, but you know, reality of what a team can pay you, even though it kind of kind of flamed out for him in the playoffs for sure. And it was the up and down season with, between them. I, I still think Danny Ainge is from kind of what coach, what he kind of alluded to consistency. And like, you know, maybe they bringing, I don't know. It's, 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 it's probably a snowball's chance, but it's probably, it's probably still a chance that he still signs with the Celtics. Um, but between, I, I, I wouldn't mind Brandon. I, I, I wouldn't like, it'd be something like, you know, you had to take necessarily a, a, a piece of humble pie and go out there and finish your career with LeBron. His, his their their talents and abilities complement one another, and you know he, he got a chance on his own, and he's seen how it was kind of to be the leader on his own on a on a super talented team. We he he was the leader of a team right when he was with Cleveland before LeBron came back, but that's those teams sucked, well, as we all know, right? right? But with the super talented Celtics, you know, saying leader, you know, he couldn't. They couldn't get things together. They, they the styles didn't mesh, or guys were worried about shots, or guys were worried about playing time. Whatever you know, what I'm saying the rumor mill is out there. It's probably some of it's true, some of it's probably not true. But with all that being said, I really wouldn't mind seeing him. And because if he goes sign with the Lakers, man, I don't think they really had to give up a whole heck of a lot to shed the to 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 you know as far as contract shedding or or, or possible trade that they 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 don't have to give up a whole heck of a lot. So you know, I would I would think about. I would think long and hard about that. Plus, he has—he also has aspirations to become a movie star and a multimedia, <laughs> a multimedia star, as well, multimedia star as well. So, what better way to to kick off that portion of career than playing in, with the with the LA franchise? Yeah, you get definitely get a starring role in uh, Space Jam Two. Space Jam Two, yeah. <laughs> you <and> name it. <laughs> yeah, and a continued Uncle Drew series, Uncle Drew movie two, mm-hmm. three. Uh, were you a fan of that movie, by the way? I have yet to seen it, man. You know, you what? know what, Brandon? Wait, wait, glad you brought wait. that up. What? I've yet to do. There's only certain dudes. Your movie's got to be based in some type of reality. Well, when oh, it comes to certain goodness. things, when it comes to sports, when it comes to sports, your movie has to be based in some type of reality of believable, believableness. And That's it the word, is believableness. There's an old old man can but play listen, basketball. Listen, now I'm sure they can, but not to that level. Not to that level where they're embarrassing like N one style <laughs> onto other. That's, that's not. That's not believable. So the best movie. The best summer basketball movie I've ever seen is White Man Can't Jump. The best basketball summer movie I've ever seen. I'm not saying it's the best basketball movie I've ever seen. I wouldn't dare say that, living in Indiana and Hoosiers, you know what I'm saying, being in the shadows of, of uh, <coughs> or not, it'd be a Hoosiers probably on everybody's bookshelf if you still, if you still have DVDs, right? But, but like I said, White Man Can't Jump is probably the best basketball movie I've ever seen. Summer basketball Oof. movie I've ever seen. Oof. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I can't give an answer for mine. I don't know when they all came out. Okay. I just know I like. I liked uh, like Blue Chips. I liked Hoosiers. Oh, obviously, yeah. number one. Uh, he got game. Another one of my favorites. 
okay. White Man Can't Jump. Yeah, I liked it. It was a good one on my list. Uh, you know, for the for the ladies and and out there, Love and Basketball, another good one. Okay. Hey, come, uh, have guess you ever it, seen? I guess- I guess the Tate Lee is a basketball movie. I always, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't. It's in the title. Come on now. Count that. I should, dude, it's like a love story though. Yeah. I look at it as more, of, I look at it as more of a love story, not necessarily a basketball movie. Even though. Both oh my love. goodness. People who are in love play basketball. I get it. <laughs> I thought it was good. All right, mm-hmm. that's all that matters. Uh, another one of Pacers targets maybe targets that everybody wants him to go after Kimba Walker. Kimba Walker has uh, said his, is quoted saying Charlotte is definitely my first priority. So uh, he could stay in Charlotte, sign that max deal. I know Cody Zeller, former Hoosier. He wants uh, Kimba to stay. Michael mm-hmm. probably wants him, wants him to stay. And if the goat wants you to stay, then uh, you know, there's probably a pretty good chance that's going to happen. You said the goat wants him to stay. Who, what, the goat. Never mind. Mike, we'll talk Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. That goat. Okay. All right. Cool. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, John, if you're the New York Knicks, is there a, is there a chance that you trade your number three pick and move it back and take Atlanta's possible number eight, number ten? Because the Knicks are considering if it. I am. Yeah. If I'm the New York Knicks, there's so much. When I look at uh, Knox and I look at Barrett's game. Uh, and 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 who you know that's kind of what the Knicks is kind of kind of slotted. He's the, if RJ Barrett's probably the very best player in his draft. If, I mean you know ready to play. Knox and Barrett kind of play the same position. You know what I'm saying. And I know you know what I'm saying in this basketball world that guys can play similar position. Guys can play, but that's, that's, that, that, those things kind of come to maturity. And uh, and these guys are still you know some in their early 20s, if not teenagers, right? So the growing pains that the Knicks will probably have to suffer between selecting R.J. Barrett and putting him out there with Knox and whatever other team, whatever other hodgepodge team they can come up with uh, for the Knicks, unless, unless if they know Kevin Durant's not coming, right, or some other big-time free agent is not coming. Um, I would shop the pick same in a similar fashion that Danny Ainge shopped his picks, his top picks, uh, to get more talent or to get better talent, you know what I'm saying, uh, in the previous year, previous, previous couple of drafts, excuse me. Um, so if the Knicks can get, if the Knicks, as rumored, as we, as we kind of talked about off the air, if the Knicks can get uh, Atlanta's two first rounders, you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying, for three, for I think Atlanta's picking what, like four, no, five and eight or something like that? Eight, eight, eight and I ten, I believe. Eight and ten? That kind of, the Knicks need talent. That's what they need. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. R.J. Barrett today is not the savior. You know what I'm saying? That that the Knicks kind of like it would do what a normal like top three pick would be. Like, oh, man, this guy's going to come in. He's going to dominate. It's going to be crazy for us, right? He's not going to be. He still has a developmental curve. Hell, he, not, he, he might even play a couple of games in the G League. It's possible. It is possible. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? But there's going to be a learning curve for him there. But and not, I'm not going to say if they trade back and to get Atlanta's picks. Uh, there's not going to be a learning curve with those players, but they need more talent on that team. Uh, and, okay. and like I said, uh, so go ahead. Well, so would, here's my I thing. Would be, I would, I, 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 hey, you know, Brandon, I also shop the pick, even if I, even if Atlanta doesn't bite. There's got there's got to be somebody who wants to get in the top three. But you want quantity, players. quantity <laughs> over quality? Because here's my other question. Then, if you mm-hmm. want quantity and you need to build a team, you need talent to build this team, mm-hmm. and you don't mm-hmm. take Atlanta two positions what if 
Anthony Davis ends up saying to the Pelicans, you know what, even though we've got Zion, I don't want in, I want out. David Griffin says, hey, New York, you want Anthony Davis, I'll trade him to you, but you have to give me that number three pick. As New York, do you take that one superstar there, or do you try to go after two possibly good talent that's going to be in the top ten? The Anthony Davis, that scenario that you kind of point to, would be that if I knew I had a under the table agreement after the finals was over that I was getting Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant. Anthony Davis coming to the Knicks to play with, mm, oh my gosh, who's who's you know who, who oh my god who's on the team besides Knox, uh, and, and I don't even think Hardaway's still, still there anymore. And we know no, Hardaway's uh, gone. Got traded. Hardaway got traded. Unicorn got traded. Um, uh, they got they got the the guard from Dallas. That's what that's how they got the that's how they got Dennis the Smith that's how they got Jr. the yeah Dennis Smith Jr. So they'd have to know, uh, you know, what I'm saying kind of like right now if Kevin Durant's going to play or not to be working that protect that, that particular deal that you're thinking about. I again I, I I like what you're saying too on both sides like shop number three to the to the Pelicans and probably an expiring contract which I know they have I think when they picked up uh, the center from Dallas who used to play for Lob City he used to play for the Clippers. I'm, dude, I'm terrible. I'm so ecstatic about the, about the coaches uh, that are interview. I still can't. I can't think of anybody's name today. But, uh, DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre yeah. Jordan. They still got his contract, which I do believe is expiring. So trade that back to and pick three and whatever else. Maybe some future. Maybe the the, the French Canadian, not French Canadian, the, the French kid Euro, who's kind of didn't pan out. Who's Phil Jackson's pick? Trade that back for Anthony Davis. Sure, but the Knicks. They ain't been that. They haven't. They haven't necessarily been that savvy uh, when it comes to like uh, you know what I'm saying from their from their front office. So right. that that'd be like that'd be like a long shot. That would be a real big long shot to get Anthony Davis in pick three. Yeah, I think they get somebody um, else for sure. But that'd be a long shot. You you have to know if Kevin Durant was coming for sure. Okay, uh, there were some notes that uh, some of the draft draft prospects here are having. Some surgeries done. Cam Reddish undergoing surgery for mm-hmm. a core muscle injury. John Morant have minor knee surgery. You'll be out three to four weeks. Shouldn't be an issue at all. Um, yep. And then some other notes I have from the from the week in NBA. Doc Rivers got fined fifty grand for tampering for uh, saying on TV <laughs> that he praises Kawhi Leonard. So we're we're pulling the trigger quick now on tampering. It looks like. Yeah. You, it's it's Brent. It's weird. I'm glad you brought that up, man. It's weird that they find the coaches and the admit you know the administrator and the management, but they won't they won't find. Did they find LeBron when he mentioned other players, or when Anthony Davis? They did find Anthony. Didn't they? They find Anthony Davis when he said he wanted to play for LA. They did. I yeah. believe. I thought. Yeah, they did. So it depends. I guess I'll so take that back. It depends on does work work both ways. But it, it's not like Doc Rivers said openly. It was openly campaigning for Kawhi Leonard. That's. That's kind of like so you're finding Doc Rivers because what the media is reporting is kind of what's happening behind the scenes. We know the Clippers want Kawhi Leonard. We know this. So, but for him, so for Doc Rivers to say that you know I think Kawhi Leonard is playing like Kobe or playing like Michael Jordan, I I don't see where the fifty thousand dollar fine comes in. I don't. Not in that. Not in that aspect. When Magic right. Johnson goes on. When Matt Johnson goes on late night TV and says he'd like to get Paul George, he or he he likes to say Giannis. Oh, like I was heated Giannis when I saw Lakers. that. You know what I'm saying? When he says that, when he said, when you say things like that specifically, then I can see why you would get fined. 
I don't I, in, in any in any of his quote. Doc Rivers never said that he wanted he, that he thought Kawhi Leonard. I mean, it's a huge compliment, especially for somebody who played against Michael Jordan. You know, what I'm saying there's a lot of a lot of those heated Nick rivalries, as as Doc Doc Rivers was was a part of. You know, what I'm saying, but um, I, I, I mean, defines like I said a little bit. <laughs> defines is excessive, and so is the quote because Kawhi Leonard, I love him, but Michael Jordan, let's slow down. <laughs> Pump the brakes, right? Michael Jordan, let's, let's slow down, man. He's he's played some great, but I, I don't want to say I don't want to say that he has to play, man. You know, we look at where we at. Look who he's playing. You know what I'm saying? I'm not I'm not saying he's playing with chumps either because Toronto was the number one seed and the number two seed the previous years as far as the East is concerned. So that was that's a that's a championship or that's a playoff championship organization. They are. You know what I'm saying? They know what they're doing. The brain trust up there knows what they're doing. Even though like a lot of times we, we question the general manager or like why they fired this coach or why they brought in this player or whatever. The Toronto Raptors are always at the top of the Eastern you know, food chain. They always are, right? Whether yeah. whoever whatever staff they whatever staff they have there. But um and like I said, Kawhi Leonard has put some great playoff moments together. Either when once we when we when we remember and think about what he did in San Antonio. As far as trying to, you know, saying him, he was supposed to be the one to kind of take the Spurs into the into the, into the next, right? But of course, that didn't work out. But like, what is he done? Like, he's kind of, and then of course, you know, how he got out of town, not necessarily as Mac. You know, what I mean, it wasn't a smooth transition, right? A lot of bad press. But but has while he while he's been here with Toronto, like I, we talked about this before, Brent. I hope he resigns with him. Because he makes that team more exciting, you know what I mean? We're, we're, you know what I mean, I, I don't want to see Drake on the sideline, you know what I'm saying, with his antics. But he makes that team better, and like you said, he's put together some great moments that you remember for, it, with, of him in Toronto. And like I said, like, but Michael Jordan just pumped the brakes. <laughs> okay. Uh, what is it about Phoenix that everybody wants to feel like they go out there or something? Because uh, there's a report now that Julius Randle is interested in the Suns. It used to be a destination. It used to be a, a destination. Like, yeah, no, I'm talking about as far as NBA. Like, it used to be a great NBA playoff city with Kevin Johnson, Dan Marley, and uh, before Hornacek went to Utah, Utah uh, and Tom Chambers, they had a great they had a great basketball culture. And uh, I can't forget about Sir Charles. Uh, they had a great basketball char- uh, culture in Phoenix, and things because ownership has changed over so many times, uh, and Things have not necessarily been great for the Phoenix Suns. Julius Randle going to the Phoenix Suns, I mean, you might as well. I don't know. I don't. What, what are the, the New York Pelicans offering? You know, yeah. they do need a big. They need a lot though. They, they, they lot, got DeAndre you know? Ayton. Well, right, they do. Right, they do. But again, he's on. The, he's still on the developmental curve. Uh, and they need people to rebound they, Booker's they, shots, they, I guess. Well, they well right. They re, they brought they brought they made Booker a max guy, and it's seemingly like he's a nice fun guy. And, you know what I'm saying? Looks like he's always having fun. Looks like he's putting out like a, a great effort. Looks like he could you know what I'm saying outshoot or not say or shoot with you know what I'm saying the Splash Brothers if he ever got on the team with them, right? But seemingly like Brandon, he's just a stat guy. Like he's just yeah. interested in putting up as many shots. If he can put up forty shots and get sixty points, he's great with it. If he can put up forty shots and get thirty points, he's still great with it. He's not. He seemingly hasn't put in the time or or or, to, in, in, or the business into winning, you know. So they need that. Like from a talent standpoint, Phoenix needs a lot, but they haven't necessarily been from a consistent standpoint of, of being a, a, a team like they they used to get free agents all the time. 
all the time, all the time. But you know, it's not it's not fun out there anymore. Well, I guess it is fun, but it, it ain't fun from a fan standpoint because they they have won. They have they ain't they're not winning on the winning side like they used to be. Okay. Well, we have a call. We're gonna take it. It's all our right. uh, it's our main man, Sweet Lou. How are we? Sweet Lou. All right, we're good. Good. How are you? How's your week been? Well, the week's just starting, really, but uh, you know, I'm I'm still up well, and ready to go. Well, since you talked to us. Yes. I tell you what, I had you. Sorry, we ran late last week, and uh, uh, our guest that we had on, we went longer with, and then when I went to you, all I could hear was the birds chirping. <laughs> Uh-huh. So. Well, uh huh. Well, last last week I actually had a little bit of a problem with uh, my my service, but I think I found the problem, so it should be up and running back to normal next uh, on Saturday night. Perfect, perfect. Uh, game yeah. three, Stanley Cup Finals tonight. Uh, game four. I've got the Bruins, or game four? Yeah, yeah. Excuse me, game four. I got the Bruins. Well, you know, I wasn't looking at this as going to be an easy series for either team. But if the Blues don't get their act together tonight, this series is going to be over on Thursday. If Rask, you know, does what you know the way he's been doing, I don't see much hope for the Blues. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was happy. that last game. It was it was put to bed in the first period. I mean, yeah, yeah. good lord! And I'm glad because I actually took the Bruins money line there, and uh, so I made some good cake on that. But my goodness, uh, they're gonna Blues are gonna keep the goalie in. Uh, what's his face? I can't think of his name. It's slipping my mind right now. Yeah, I know, I know uh, what you mean. They're keeping him in tonight, so we'll see how he goes. Uh, and we'll go from there. NBA-wise, finals, what's your thoughts on the finals so far? So far, it's going like I thought it would, an even series, and I see it going to be like a heavyweight fight going like into the to the final round. This is not going to go down easy for either team. Okay, and so you think seven. was felt last night. Yeah, Iguodala. I call him the silent. You know, a lot of people don't realize that he 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 won an MVP award. You know, he locked down LeBron that first year. What? And uh, no, he did. Yeah, he did. He did. Unfortunately. Uh, yes, he did. <laughs> Sweet Lou, uh, the yeah. your what? What can we say about baseball? Yankees are hot. Mets are not. Mm. Big big MLB draft going on right now. I got on my TV. I, know, I see I'm, here. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. My Cincinnati Reds. Let's see what we we've got the next pick. So we'll see what happens with them. <laughs> Actually, you don't. No. Detroit's up next. Then uh, you're actually uh, you're actually I think sixth or seventh. You're after San Diego. Yeah. Yeah, we're seven. You might be a little bit behind on us. I got right now the picks in for number six. Okay, I am behind. Okay, now I won't ruin it for you because I don't even know what it is right now. But uh, <laughs> just like what, some uh, things that already got ruined today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, it's a different thing though. Hey, John. Yes, sir. Go, what you got? go. The question you had for me last week that we went, we ran out of time talking baseball. You want to ask that to Sweet Lou since he uh, he lives in that up, uh, echelon area over there. The National the League N- about the National yeah, League. Yeah, the, the NL least. Then there, yeah. is, there, is, there, is there yeah? What, is there one team gonna make it? Is, this, is it gonna be a two team? Is it a two team race? Phillies. Phillies will make it, and Atlanta will make it. So you think you saying two teams from the East? Okay. Yes. Well, two teams got to make it, does. I got you. 
The only yeah. te- the only the only division that will not have two teams making it is of course the AL is the AL Comedy Central. <laughs> the Comedy Central, I love it. What I a love joke! It. Yeah, it's uh. Even Cleveland's that, doing bad this year. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I took I them to some games colleague. and it. I took them in a few oh, games yeah. and uh, I definitely lost on those. So. Yeah. Not too bad. I took the Cubs today. They they've uh, prevailed, so that was good. Mhm. So what else you got, Lou? Belmont this week, right? The Belmont on Saturday, yes. <laughs> Who do you like? Well, Can I have the horses. Problem. I mean. I think every I think ever since we had the debacle with the Kentucky Derby, I mean it's all been it's all flat now, you know. It's not going to really matter. Yeah. But I'll say one thing though: there has been a bit of a bit of problem on another uh, racetrack out in California, uh, San Anita. Yeah. There has been yeah, twenty six horses have died since uh, the the end of last year. Yeah, I saw that. I don't and care. Had well, is, one. is there something wrong with the track? I don't know. I, I would think either that or some kind of uh, I don't I don't want to say airborne, but viral thing. Maybe it's going horse to horse. I don't know, but it has to be the track. I mean, I tried to look it up and read on it and uh, see if it's like maybe the ground that they're running on is doing something, but yeah. I don't know. If there's a virus somewhere in the uh, the horse pens or the what's the what do they call them? not pen uh, the stall. The horse stalls, yes. that there's something there, Stable. a virus mm-hmm. or something. I don't know. It has to be. But, yeah, it, it needs to get figured out uh, very quickly. You know, And we were actually talking about that at my uh, my work the other day because uh, the Indianapolis Zoo here in Indianapolis, uh, they just had their fourth elephant test positive for a deadly virus. And they've, the last three Ooh. have all died. So it's like, what what's causing this? And, it's, you know, and then they're checking all of them. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, now we're about to have our fourth elephant die here in India, here in Indianapolis. Which, I'm sorry to uh, hear that. Yeah, so it's, it's something's going on. It's I'm not linking the two together, but I you know I think it's viral. It has to be. Well, uh, I think maybe you can link it together. I, I think there's got to be something. Yeah. Hmm. So we'll see. What else you got? Well, I don't think it's very far fetched at all. Uh oh. Who knows? It's one of those yeah, unsolved I mean, mystery shows. <laughs> yes, I guess, uh, <laughs> hey Lou, you gotta be happy. Le'Veon Bell showed up to practice today. So far, so good. But let's see what he does on the field. Yeah, well, you gotta get the practice uh, reps in. You gotta get the practice reps in. So I'm, I'm glad he it, showed up today. It, yeah, and you're without your boy, your defensive boy. He got pinned for a DUI charge. Uh huh. Muhammad yeah. Wilkinson. Well, so. former, not. You know, it's yeah, a yeah, former. yeah, absolutely. So, just adding to our problems. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you want to give your plug? All right. Uh, the coach mm-hmm. should not be a general manager of a team. Oh, oh, not that kind of plug. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. I thought we, I thought we were still going that direction. Okay. Anywho. You can. <laughs> well, no. Why, why make a complete ass of myself? I do that enough. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. I do enough. Of my, I do enough. I do enough uh, but when I go, when I'm on the air, anyway. Anywho, uh, it's called the Enhanced Sports Show. We're on Saturday nights, six to eight p.m. in the East, uh, three to five in the West, uh, eleven p.m. if you live in Europe. Uh, the number to call is seven one two seven seven five seven zero three five. 
the pin number 410173 and the pound sign. Press the pound sign or else you don't get squat. Now, Nothing. there has been a problem the past couple of weeks um, Uh-oh. Uh, with it. And we have another site for backup called TalkShoe. If, that, if, if the first site don't work, then try the TalkShoe line and go to my where it says the Enhanced Sports Show uh, with, um, with the name on it, and they'll give you all the information on it. But to click that on, and you'll get the information for the number and pin. But try the first one first. Okay. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> yes. So we have backup. But we have backup as well, and thankfully we have a backup. Absolutely, Lou. All right, Lou. Have a good one, my man. Right. We'll see you. Thanks. Thanks, Lou. That was our man, sweet Lou. My goodness. Yeah. She's love him. He is. I love it. I love it. Uh, we got about thirty-five hey, minutes hey, left. In, yeah. Brandon, of course you recalled the first one first. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind, we'll talk about it out there. That's what he said. Okay. He said, call the first one first. Never mind. Well, yeah, of course you would call the first one first. <laughs> you wouldn't call it second, would you? <laughs> All right. Sweet Lou, love you. Uh, John, now getting to, we have about 35 minutes left. I want to get to a little serious point with you. You know, I always like to find one thing that's kind of uh, edgy and uh, okay. once in a while with you and see what your thoughts are on it. What's your thoughts okay. on, uh, It's it's been reported today that multiple NBA teams have had a, had a quote-unquote high-level conversations about getting rid of the term owner, uh, that it's uh, racially, insensi- racially insensitive, uh, that they want to get rid of the term owner and use it more of like a manager or such. Thoughts on that? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I never I, – I guess, you know, the NBA is about power. It's about power. And a long time ago – the players, you know, saying stood tall when they, as they do every every collective bargaining agreement, right? They stand tall and they ask for the financials, the, the ownership group, whatever you want to call them. I don't have no problem with owner, okay? I just don't. You know what I'm saying? That if, if hey, guess what? If I owned a team, I would be I would be asked. This is this is the owner of the team. I mean, I guess we can look up on Google and see how whatever synonyms or antonyms we have for owner. I guess would be in this term would be synonym correct, but. <laughs> You know, I, I really don't have a problem with owner. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times, uh, the uh, the ownership group. You know what I'm saying? Unless you're talking about the guy, the, the fool, the, the fool ass with the with the Clippers a couple of years ago. The ownership group was kind of always yield to its players. They right. make a boatload of everybody's in this. Like, listen, man, listen. I'm keep I keep it real when I say this thing. Like, listen, anybody, all these athletes. You know what I'm saying? And and the ownership together. Unified together, make a boatload of money. They do, right? From commercialism, from ticket sales, from concessions and whatnot. And I'm not saying I'm not knocking it. You know what I mean? But it, it you know, at some point, you know, so what, what, what are we gonna call them? The bosses? That's even worse. I'd rather call you the owner than my boss. I don't know. Right. You know what I mean? So when you know when they put things like that into play, you know, what I'm saying it kind of makes me think that maybe they're you know future collective bargaining chips. They're going to kind of throw out there, you know what I'm saying? I don't, right. me personally, I, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't have a problem with the word owner. That's what they they own the team. Who Simon's own the Pacers team? Uh, Jim Mercer owns the Colts team. You know what I mean? So that, that that term, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't know. I don't know where we're dealing with a different world though. Now, you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, guys are more educated coming, you know what I'm saying? Coming up through school. So a lot of things that they learn that maybe my generation 
didn't really, you know, what I'm saying didn't, it didn't, it didn't raise an eyebrow with us. They, they, they become a bit sensitive to, not, and not sensitive like weak. I'm just sensitive to like learning about it and like this is what, this is how the world's kind of been placed in front of them. You know, what I mean, that's, right. This is, this is their, this is their truth or whatever, sort of. You know, what I mean, um, but. You know, it'll still be the owner. I mean, like I said, it'll still be the, whoever owns the team is the owner of the team. I don't. I've never seen an NBA guy, though, NBA ownership or NBA ownership group, whatever, be uh, racially. You know, I, I say, like I said, outside, and, I, and I'm some. I'm sure somebody will check me because there are. You know, I don't want to say it hasn't any been any racial anything. Donald Sterling, but that. Well, Donald Sterling was huge because they had him. On, you know, they got him on tape and his mystery. And I think up here spilling the beans. You can almost say James Dolan. Uh, James Dolan is that's just rich people. That's not racial, dude. That's just rich people telling other rich people to get the hell out of their business. Because yeah. that, that's <laughs> between him and Oakley, that's all that. That's not that has nothing to do. My personal opinion, dude, that got nothing to do with race. That's Charles Oakley, who's arrogant. Let's be this honest, man. Ain't, 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 a lot of athletes are arrogant. A lot of athletes you walk into the facility, and you know, what I'm saying they ain't they ain't thinking about you, regular regular Joe or whoever else. Well, right. a millionaire, a billionaire, a billionaire or a multimillionaire thinks it's the same gosh darn way. He's like he he feels like a king every he or she feels like a king every time they walk in and out in and out of a door, in and out of a hotel, in and out of a shopping mall, wherever the case may be. So when you put those two things together, you know what I'm saying, in in a room, two a, a lot of arrogance and a lot of, you know what I'm saying, uh, uppiness or a lot of, you know, I'm I'm my bank account's bigger than yours, you have James Dolan and the Knicks and the former players against the, the current ownership. So that, that really ain't racial, right. my personal opinion. Um, like I said, ownership had let uh, minorities, either African-American uh, men and women, or even women from, from, from all backgrounds, be assistant managers, the general managers, coaches, referees. Uh, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? I, like I said, uh, general managers and whatnot, that has yet to be yet. There's a female owner. What am I saying? So, like, I, from yeah. an NBA standpoint, like I said, from any NBA standpoint, of, 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 I know they try to always stay ahead of the curve of things, and I appreciate them for that. But like, this is kind of like, you know, not, I think it's bargaining chip. Ultimately, like, they're not gonna okay. change the name. I'm like, you know, they're not gonna change the name of that. You know what I mean? Okay. Perfect. Sounds good. <laughs> we have go play. There we go. Breaking news. Uh oh. And I'll read the whole advisory, media advisory for tomorrow. Drop it. Tomorrow, June 4th, 12 p.m., the Big Ten will introduce their sixth commissioner of the conference history. Big Ten Network be live. So Jim Delaney, who is retiring into this uh, next month, probably one of the best commissioners out of all the big Power Five conferences for what he's developed. Um, with the Big Ten, with plenty of championship games, the Big Ten tournament. The man's been there pretty much, John, you know, uh, my whole time growing up. It's been Jim Delaney yeah. the whole time. So tomorrow yeah. they'll announce who is the new Big Ten commissioner, and they've got some big shoes to fill uh, to, to kind of what Jim Delaney did up there in Chicago. So they got big shoes to fill, man, but whoever yeah. it is, man, they need, to, they need to step in and, and kick in the door and be like, yo, why are we keep on getting overlooked? Big Ten yeah. when it comes to NCAA football bowl championship games. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give you three minutes. We'll talk three minutes on this topic. 
Uh, okay. MLB. I want to talk about Major League Baseball and fan safety, John. So a little girl or a little girl was hit by a foul ball uh, in the Cubs mm-hmm. game last week. Uh, you know, you saw the, the the Cubs player who was you know you know emotional during that entire time. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris Bryant said afterwards that they you know they need to put bigger nets up and put them out all the way around the field. Uh, Saturday night here in Indianapolis, Indianapolis Indians game, a little kid, little boy got hit with a foul ball, had to go to the hospital. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. two in less than a week of fans getting hit. I mean, it's happened before people have gotten hit, but do we need to look at more better safety for major league baseball games or even, you know, triple a games uh, and put that up completely around it? Or is that, that to me, that tarnishes the game. Brandon. Yes. Dude, we need. I feel like we need better parents. Be smarter parents. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're going to a baseball game. You know, I'm I'm just I'm being, being real with you. Like my, you know, what I'm saying my, my father took me to games, or you know, what I'm saying I went with games with the Cub Scouts, and we always were aware of it. You know what I'm saying? Right. But and I know and I know you. You know, what I'm saying a lot of times people's fandoms take over, so maybe sometimes they take kids who shouldn't. I listen. I, I'm going to say this because I. I mean, it's not to be political or anything like that. Sometimes you take the kids who ain't necessarily ready to be a Cubs fan and experience everything that comes with the Cubs or the Reds or the whoever else, right, at the game. So there's like, you know what I'm saying, are you taking a kid who can so, – okay, so listen. Somebody somebody kind of put it – you know, I was talking to the barbershop, they kind of put it in respect for me, right? He said, man, you're playing at a game where even the first and the third baseman is looking for straight – like, and they got on gloves and they train professionals. And they got on gloves, you know what I'm saying, to make sure that they don't get caught off, off, you know what I'm saying, not looking. So why is a fan, as smart as we are and aware we are of what, of how, you know what I'm saying, what goes on, you know what I'm saying, in, on the field of play, why aren't we being smarter? And, you know what I'm saying, I mean, I know, again, Popeyes, or, or probably, you know what I'm saying, those are, you can't, you should bank on them happening. You know what I'm saying, you should. Not just assume that, you know what I'm saying, they ain't going to hit me, you should just bank on it happening. So that's right. what I mean by Smart fans, just be, I mean, smarter parents, smart fans. Like, no, is it, is it smart for you to bring your one-year-old, you know what I'm saying, baby to the game? Yeah, it looks no. cute. You're going to take all the pictures you want. But, like, he or she, you know what I'm saying, unless you're going to shield your body and wait from the, you know what I mean? It's, but balls come, you know what I'm saying, balls being thrown 90 miles an hour and faster. Balls being hit even faster. So, mm. you know, be be smart. That's what I say. I, I would say a fan to be smart because it does, like, you, what you allude to, it takes away the game. More net than we put up, or hell, you know what? Hell, it might be next. Next, it would be fiberglass. You know, yeah. Who somebody or space? Some space age, you know. But but the, it kind of takes away from what you grew up on as far as baseball experience and what I grew up on. You know, what I'm saying, fifteen years before you grew up on it. You know, what I'm saying, baseball experience. Hell, you know, what I'm saying, I, your father. You know what I'm saying? Probably grew up on a way different experience than even I. You know what I'm saying? Even I have as far as when it goes out to to go to watching baseball. You know what I'm saying? On the field and whatnot. But um, to cover right. their rear, Major League Baseball will probably put up more. They probably put up. They're, 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 I'm sure they got their architects working on it, right? To maybe move the some of the. Uh, no, they should. I, uh, yeah, I don't want to assume, but they got their architects working on it to maybe move to where the fan stands meet the baselines and whatnot and trying to, and also trying to put up more netting or even, like I said, even something a little bit harder, like fiberglass. So there's still be see-through so that uh, it enhances player. I mean, excuse me, fan safety. So 
I'm, I'm yeah. all for fan safety, but I'm also for fans educating themselves and being smart fans and not necessarily just being out there to be willy-nilly to, to they enjoy the experience. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I totally agree with you there on that, 100%. You know, I'm, I'm going to take a quote from one of our, our main guys said, you know, listen, John, there's two sides. You got to hear both sides of the story here, all right? <laughs> right. Maybe there was a great sides. Instagram photo they wanted to take with the kid. Maybe they held the kid up while they're trying to catch the ball. I've seen people do that before, and they're acting right, like idiots, right. you know? Right. So, who knows? All right. This topic didn't get last week, but I'm going to start it out. Every time we talk about it, I owe this man credit, and I owe him a uh, – I always have to play his soundbite anytime we talk about this industry. So, without further ado – It's so hard for me to sit back here <laughs> in this studio looking at a guy out here hollering my name when last year I spent more money, more money. on spilled liquor. And bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, oh my God. diamond Woo. ring wearing, kids stealing, Woo. wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. And I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Now listen, <laughs> I'm going to have to keep playing it anytime we talk wrestling because I don't know how much longer we've got with this guy on earth. So oh, man. I, I owe it to his diligence to play that. And there's another sound clip I wanted to put in here of his, but I haven't been able to cut it yet, where he talked about, I will do nothing but drive Rolls Royce. I will do nothing <laughs> but wear Rolex. I will not do nothing but make love to the greatest women. <laughs> so with that said, John, I want to talk WWE, AEW, okay. NXT. I watched the pay-per-view with AEW. I loved it. I thought it was great. It was something new. It was fresh. It seemed like even watching it, there was a somewhat of a freedom to not like feel like you're constrained to the norm of what WWE has brought me to. Mm-hmm. NXT, I feel NXT stepped up the notch even more this past Saturday with their pay-per-view. Uh, and, you know, that, that one has hands-off Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon doesn't control that one as much. It's Triple H that runs the whole show for that. It was great. Right. I told you in a text message, I thought I'd seen the greatest main event wrestling match ever in my life this past weekend with Johnny Gordano and Adam Cole, Adam Cole. Uh, mm-hmm. going head-to-head for the title with so many near falls, all the moves they made. I sent you that clip. I mean, it was it, it was obviously copyright-wise, but they couldn't show too much of it. But my God, right. John, that, to me, that was the greatest wrestling match I have ever seen. And NXT stepped up their game. And I told you, it's NXT – AEW and WWE. <laughs> well, you know, um, I got to catch some of the, the, the Mosley uh, interview from Jericho. I also caught a couple of, couple of other. I mean, it's going to be hard calling John Mosley now. I mean, even though that's his, technically his real incarnation. Uh, but he's kind of saying, he's kind of saying some things that people from my era want to be, appreciate and one kind of want the business to kind of go back to. Brandon, you grew up in a world, correct me if I'm wrong. I know we got a little bit of time. Great. Uh, you grew up in a world with only two wrestling organizations, right? I'm not counting yes. ECW. I'm not counting all, I'm not counting any. I'm talking oh, about WWF and WCW were my were the main right. two I, growing up. I grew up with, I grew up in a world where there were three main wrestling promotions and the Indies were right underneath them. 
like close, like real close. Like you know how ECW was kind of close to WCW as far as like entertainment value, maybe not production wise, and maybe not from from revenue standpiece wise, but from like what you were interested in, you would watch ECW. You know what I'm saying? The grainy Sunday right. show tapes. You know what I'm saying? Where you know it was on the edge, and they guys brought in you know hammers and everything else, tables or whatever. But like I grew up in a world. Even before that, where there was WWF, when it was you know WWE, you know before it was WWE, there was NWA before it was WCW. There was uh, Florida All Star Wrestling. There was uh, the Von Erichs. They what they had in World Class. There was the AWA. There and there was Pacific Northwest. You know, saying Canada had a territory. So I grew up in a time where a territory. So when Moxley says that he wants the wrestling business, and it's and that's what it is, he wants. Dude, Brandon, it, it infuriates me that WCW is out of business. There's always been a niche for another organization to come in. Somebody just has to be smart about it and to make sure, like Vince, however great criticism we give Vince, where he's smart about it because he makes right. it work. He makes it he makes it profitable so that his business continues. WCW didn't think smart. WCW thought, let's compete, let's go after Vince. Well, there's enough. There's enough fandom to spread around. There always has been. There always will be. Wrestling is its own culture. Professional wrestling, acting, stuntman, whatever you want to call it, like b- besides sports entertainment, has its own culture, has its own fandom. Fans, The fans will return. The, fan, the pissed off fans like me will return when there's great stories, if Vince ever wants to do great stories. Well, he doesn't want – he wants to do his stories. That's fine because, again, Vince makes decisions based upon him and how he – sees his business also, but he's always been successful. He'll be successful. It ain't going nowhere. WWE ain't going nowhere. You know what I'm saying? So now we have somebody who kind of likes wrestling from a promoter standpoint and wants to see it, sees that there's a a level of fandom that Vince ain't servicing or he kind of services. I kind of watch it and that, dude, I'm I'm, I'm replicated. There's more more people like me that will actually watch a show buy a pay-per-view, go see a match, maybe not to the level what Vince is doing, but they'll, they'll go see it at a smaller venue like they used to have when I was a kid. And, and uh, First show I've ever seen, Brandon, 1989, uh, NWA, Great Mood and Sting kind of headline with Sting and, uh, I'm sorry, and Ric Flair co-headline with Ric Flair and Terry Funk. 1989, I still got my ticket stub. I find it. I'm going to double TBT it sometime this week. My ticket stub was okay. the NWA show I went to go see at the fairgrounds. So like I'm saying, when w when when the when WCW first came here in Indianapolis, when it was NWA, they didn't go to what was then Market Square Arena or the Hoosier Dome because it was it was more seats that they could fit. More, you know what I'm saying? It was not, you know what I'm saying? They could, they knew they only had a certain market, and so they went to the fairgrounds where it doesn't. They still, it was still packed though, Brandon. You couldn't believe it. it was still packed. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it just wasn't as big as Market Square Arena had to feel. That Vince, could, Vince appeals to more than just wrestling. Like he, he depends, he's like a circus. He, you know, like I'm taking my kids to go see Hulk Hogan. He's gonna win. You know what I'm saying? That's what he. That's what he did. That's what he does. John Cena's the same thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know I'm what? Not, not, I don't never. Go ahead. You know what? My very first. I just thinking about it. Well, my very first wrestling event I went to is. Mm-hmm. What? And 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 not very many people remember this ever happened. So because it actually never really, uh, it aired on TV, but it, it it's you don't see a lot of pictures from it. I went to the it was two days after my birthday. I remember I was three years old, John, 1988, Market Square Arena. 
The main event Uh-oh. was Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan for the WWF title. The main event was what the show was. Andre the Giant oh, okay. won. That's Saturday night. Saturday night's main event. Yes, sir. Andre the Giant won the World Heavyweight Championship from Hulk Hogan that night, and I cried. I cried because Andre beat Hulk. It was, I was three. It was uphill. It was uphill. It was. But, but yeah, uh, that was that was. Go ahead. And funny story, uh, looking at it right now on the Wikipedia because I wanted to see the date. That wasn't even the main event. How crazy is that? That was match eight of was nine. It, here's here's the main was event. Was the main event like Randy Savage or somebody else? No, that was match seven. That was uh, Savage and Honky Tonk for the Intercontinental title. The main event, <laughs> and this actually went – this was the second longest match of the entire evening. Strike Force, Tito Santana Uh-oh. and Rick Martel uh, defeated uh, the Hart Foundation, Bretton Neidhart. Uh, for the okay. WWF Tag Team titles that night. Okay. That was one so, thing Brett was great at. <laughs> what? Losing? Or main eventing? Oh, I think it's like main eventing. Um, Tag Team reference. So, yeah. Tag By the way, reference. I need you to listen to – you listened, You talk, You mentioned a little bit about the John Moxley interview with, with Jericho. I listened to the yeah. whole thing. It was very insightful. Um, and then, actually, I just got turned on to another one my buddy told me to uh, – Two days after that, John Moxley did an interview with uh, why am I stringing the Wade Keller, Wade Keller uh, Pro Wrestling Podcast, which we're you know we're uh, going to promote another one real quick. Wade Keller, okay. and this one's a two-parter, John, and th- and the show itself is about just over an hour, so it's about a two-hour interview. And no, it's not the same questions that uh, that way this guy asked John Moxley, but he takes his questions kind of off the answers of what. Moxley was talking about uh, in his first interview, and actually in this one, this is very good. I haven't gotten to it yet. I've only listened to the first hour of it. The second hour, apparently, he talks about the buildup and the hype and everything to the dud of a WrestleMania match with him and Brock Lesnar, how Lesnar wasn't around. Lesnar didn't give a shit. Moxley's trying to, Uh-oh. you know, Moxley's trying to give, uh, uh, talk about, you know, let's make it exciting. Let's do props. You know, if you want to slam me on some tacks, if you want to bust me open with your mm-hmm. knees. And in mm-hmm. the production meeting leading up, Lesnar wasn't there. And the day of, Lesnar was late to talk to him and said, well, I mean, do we really need all the weapons? I mean, let's talk about the match. <laughs> you're going to get suplexed. Uh, you're going to get a kendo stick. You're going to hit me with it. And, uh, and right. Lesnar That's didn't the... give a shit. So he's like, why should I care? Right. Right, that's what they, that's what happens. That dude, these are Brandon. This is when the best stars come out for wrestling. When a wrestler gets pissed, because wrestling is is like the real wrestlers are the creative ones that care about their character, right or wrong. Yeah. Ric Flair cares about his character, right? He lives when it Sean every Michael day still. Certain, when Shawn Michaels, right? When Shawn Michaels got to a certain point, he cared about his character till it got a little bit out of character. You know what I'm saying? Foreign, and, and from a personal standpoint, right? So for the I most part, the heck, Hulk Hogan, <laughs> sorry, Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan controls his image and all that. You know what I'm saying? Because he he wants control of his character. You know what I mean? John Moxley is in, is, you know, is in the pissed off, the same position Stone Cold was was in at one point. The same when he was working for WCW. Same position Chris Jericho was in when he was working for WCW. Same position uh, Brian Bryan was was in when he bounced around from ECW WWE to you know what I'm saying, back to, you know, his whole thing when he became a superstar. John Moxley right. loves wrestling. 
John Moxley loves wrestling. He ain't necessarily worried about jobbing. He ain't necessarily worried about putting body body over. He still wants to get his hand raised at the end of the night because he wants he thinks that he he's a dedicated performer. He's not he doesn't want to be on USA TV doing his own thing with his wife. He doesn't want to be in the UFC and have to do that with those commitments too. He wants to be a performer. Yeah. So I respect that. I totally I totally respect it. And like you know, of course, Brandon, he'll go back at some point. He will. Vince got all the money. But it pisses guys off like that when guys who aren't as dedicated as them to their craft, which is this it is, dude. Like dude live and die for this stuff, Brandon. I take it every time every time a wrestler passes away, dude, whether he's you know, as you allude to, whether he's twenty five or fifty five or seventy five, and ain't too many seventy five year old ones except for like Rick Flair and Hulk Hogan running around right now, right? When wrestlers pass away, it's always seemingly tragic, man. And I and I but I always t- I would whenever I think about engagement when I think about my you know, you have a, a wish that you ever want to engage one. Like I don't think about who you ever your best wrestler you ever want to meet. Is it Ric Flair? Like what would you ask him? You know what I mean? Or what would you tell him? I would tell him, dude, I appreciate every bump you ever took, even though I you know what I mean? Because like I appreciate them as the entertainers. Right. You know? Yeah, let so, me let me read this Go ahead. Let me read this part because it's a little bit from the interview, and it's it's gonna be a little lengthy. But I want everybody to kind of the wrestling fans that are still listening and they're going to listen to this, and I want you to kind of listen mm-hmm. to it. And, and this was uh, this is a, a couple of excerpts out of John Moxley's interview with regarding the Brock Lesnar mm-hmm. and the day of the Mania match. Uh, so the day of the show, I get there at 11 a.m. He doesn't show up until like three o'clock. We haven't talked about any of this match. Three o'clock show starts at five. We're we're like fourth. Start talking about stuff. He's just walking away, talking to other people. He's not really interested, doesn't want to be there. And this is the most important match of my life. I'm like, everybody at WrestleMania wants to show up and steal the show. There are people on the show that night that know they're literally rehearsing their match a month, like at the Performance Center in advance. Because you show up at WrestleMania, you want to effing steal the show and take bumps. And I'm begging you, like, effing choke me. Please powerbomb me into thumbtacks a hundred times. And he goes, oh, we don't need all that. Like, he didn't have a mental way of trying to steal the show. He didn't give a shit. So we're finally right. talking. We're talking about the match at Ernst. Uh, the first time, the second match goes on, and we're fourth. And with that, we still don't have a finish. And I'm like, he doesn't want me to kick out of multiple F5s. And WrestleMania, everybody kicks out of F5s. Because he only does <laughs> German, Germans and F5s, I'm throwing stuff out there at the last minute. Stuff that comes to my head like, what – what if you uh, effing like headfirst me into a chair? You back up to me, put me in a German suplex. He's like, no. By the end of it, I'm throwing out every stupid idea you know. So we put together mm-hmm. a little blank sequence of dumb blanking. We put together a finish like maybe I'll grab your barbed wire and duck and throw me into a pile of chairs. Yo, this is going to be nuts. Uh, I was banging my head against the wall screaming every everybody for weeks. I felt like I felt like I was invisible. The main reason was – I wasn't the most important match on the show. I was basically not important at all. As long as Brock Lesnar is on the show, Brock's good. Other matches were important whatsoever. Whatsoever match was on the show that night, I was just they just didn't give a shit. End quote. So the man, the guy's got gripe, you know, and and it's hard. I would guess, John, and we've had it, and you can, and people on this, the listening, they can relate it to their own personal lives at work. Uh, you know, there's people you have to work with that just don't care, and they're not on the same level as you, and it's frustrating. So I can easily right, see right. his frustrations with that. Right. I I will preface everything I just said. Like, they're just on two levels right now. 
Like Brock did a lot of work, a lot of bumps dude, 12 years ago. He did. Right now, yeah. he's trying to enjoy his. He's trying to enjoy his. You know, his Jimmy Bayline to the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know so, what I'm saying. So, so where do you rank I, that's, it? That's where, I, where do I rank what? That what the, the rest? The three, the you three think? organizations. Well, technically, it's only two. Well, right. <laughs> three brands. Three brands. Three brands. It's good. It's good for wrestling. It's good for wrestling fandom to be back to where it is, to where you're interested in it again. Now I don't know what that's gonna pull from. Like what attention? Like now you maybe we were like you know now we kind of like me and I know people like me. Uh, we just kind of look at w, oh, we read the WWE reports. What happened on Raw? What happened on SmackDown? I told you so. And then you text your friend and you, you move on. I, I still talk to Revere. You know what I'm saying? We still text back and forth about it. You know what I'm saying? Jay, yeah. I don't know. Do you, you remember Jay Nicole from the old store? Yes. Was she there? Yeah. She, man, she yeah, was she was there. Wrestling fan. Yeah. So, like, I still take back with them, and they keep me abreast of, like, you know, as you do as well, of different things that happen on NXT or, or where I help, you know, Revere watches uh, Ring of Honor. <laughs> you got to be a, <laughs> dedication. You got to be committed to watch. You got to be dedicated to watch Ring of Honor. You know what I'm saying? I wish now, we could get you to love NXT. It's so good. I don't like Triple H. I don't like Triple H. But he's not He's not on it. He's just – I tell you what. He's got the produce, producer's mind in it, and it's awesome because he gives it open to them. What do you want to do? To turn the index, then they need to turn that over and make SmackDown because it's not good. Well, Smackdown you know who's not okay. going to do that? If you're Vincent telling, Kennedy uh, McMahon. Then that's why we have – like if he makes SmackDown as good as NXT – we wouldn't have an AEW, unfortunately, but I'm glad we do. Yeah, because here's yeah. the thing. There are great characters on, on NXT, and it's almost, to me, some of them, it's almost like a death sentence when they come up to the WWE. And then some of them have said that <laughs> when they've left because every every they creative thing they playback. want to do, exactly, they don't yeah. push them. Bobby Roode, great mm-hmm. example, could have been a main event talent when they moved him up from NXT because he was hot. And right. what have they done? They put him with Chad Gable, put him as a tag team. He was a laughing gimmick. Finn Balor, <laughs> they had him as a champion. You know what? They're probably not maxing him out as much as they used to. They're using Drew McIntyre right. more in his second stint. The Revival, it took the Revival to say that they were going to leave before Vince gave them more money, and now they're getting good pop here on SmackDown or on, on Raw. I just it, it, They come to the main event, and they feel like they die. Uh, I never thought Tyler Breeze – I don't know if you know who Tyler Breeze is. Do you? Uh, vaguely, vaguely, vaguely. Holds the cell phone, takes the selfie pictures with the selfie stick, all okay, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Really flamboyant, was with Fandango for a while. I didn't think that guy was that good. His pay per view match he just did this other night, four uh-huh. stars. Four star pay per view <laughs> against Velveteen Dream. Okay. And I know you like Velveteen Dream uh, <laughs> and his, his storyline. But the, the, the John Report is who I get a lot of my stuff from. Uh, it's a great wrestling mm-hmm. website. John Report, he rates every pay-per-view, every match. He gave at least four four stars uh, to a lot of those matches, and the pay-per-view got a 9 out of 10. Uh, every NXT pay-per-view has been an 8 or higher. WWE ones, he's given fours so far this year mm-hmm. on some of them. So, uh, But yeah, off my high horse for WWE. We're running out of time. we got about four minutes left. But John, do you want to uh, – <laughs> 
You want to give any thank yous, shout outs? What what you got in your mind? What do you want to end with? Uh man, today uh Godzilla, I went to go see Godzilla over the weekend. Uh wasn't a lot of crowd. I mean, I think people were kind of split between watching Godzilla and the movie Ma, which my daughter went to go see, which she gave a great thumbs up, said it was real creepy, real Ooh. scary type of movie. I what I would say about Godzilla is that the monsters are the stars. And the stars, the actual people, in the, they just kind of do an average job. It's almost like they do a, you know what I'm saying, something that you've seen on a regular TV type of job. I'm not saying it was terrible. I'm just saying it was like the the, the writing they had from the stars. Eh. But the monsters, great. Great action scenes in Godzilla's uh, King of the Monsters. Uh, I would I'd give it three and a half. Three and a half out of five. Three and a half out of five. So, okay. Good, it's a good uh, bridge to get everybody through the summer. I've got three movies I'm going to see. Uh Tomorrow night, me and the uh, me and the the lady, we're gonna go see Aladdin. See how good that is. Okay. Live Dude, action. I, I caught a good burner copy. I caught a good burner copy of that man. I was kind of I was kind of surprised. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. And then I want to see mm-hmm. Ma. And then myself and my buddy, uh, we're gonna go see the new Chucky movie uh, when it comes out June twenty oh first. <laughs> the remake, a remake of Child's Play. Uh, and people are like, oh, it doesn't look like it. Well, it's not supposed to follow the same things. It's more like a modern-day right. Chucky right. based on also all your – the nest and all that stuff you have that controls your house and control – like it, it tailors into that as well. So uh, wow, looking forward to that. You know how I am with Chucky. Mm-hmm. Always a big Chucky fan. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. So, Other than that, man, I just want to thank everybody for listening uh, from uh, – Ben family and foe. <laughs> uh, me and Brandon got a lot of more stuff, as he alluded to. Uh, Peyton will be coming on uh, next week, and it's going to be a good interview. And we got some other interviews lined up. I won't spoil or alert for it. Uh, but I, I thank everybody for listening and appreciate everybody's support. Absolutely. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. We'll be back next week. Uh, another great interview. Have a good week. We'll see you guys all next Monday. Thanks for listening. Crossroads Sports.